Welcome everybody to We Have Issues, Geek Elite Media Show that's about everything literary. Books, comic books, web comics, manga, and everything else you might be reading. We're here to talk about it. As always, I am your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my Star Wars sidekick who is always at my side, Hostway. Big, 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 big comics week. Oh my god, did it feel so good. So many great, so many good books this week. It is a lot. Like, I, I actually didn't post my... Uh, new comic book tape picture because I was too busy reading them. <laughs> Dude, I didn't do like my like my indie gig tweet because I was just like, I mean, we got busy with the guinea pig, but it was just like, fuck, you know what? I'm just gonna dish it all out because these are all fucking great books. Yeah, not only is it a massive, massive um, week for comics, but we're coming off a of comic con. Yes. Uh, so, um, if we were to talk news, we'd be talking all day. <laughs> so what I want to go ahead and do is just quickly tell you every panel at Comic-Con is available on YouTube for free. You can go watch them. I highly recommend what's going on in independent comics. Me and Hosway talked about that one quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, with some of the more indie publishers, including Scout, Red 5, SourcePoint Press, uh, just talking about what the, what they're doing, which is really cool. Um, and I recommend you check out the X-Men one. I know we both really enjoyed the X-Men one. Oh, that was so much fun. Yeah. Uh, the, the Indies one was cool. Um, it, I had to like think back on that one because it's like it's cool that we do this, that what you and I do, just buy as many comics as we can and sometimes hit or miss. We're still reading them and talking about them. Uh, so seeing that the source, was it the source point press? I'm just, uh, it's like if you weren't reading the comics, it was very uh, informative, and it might just like catch you. My, a comic or two might catch your eye, but I love that. But on my side, it was like I already read like three, all, all four of those. Like it was almost like it's old news for me. But it's like I'm, I'm, at the same time, it's that panel in particular maybe wasn't for me. It was just like to really broaden the, yeah. their audience. And but still, all great books, a lot of good stuff that they were talking about. It was the aftershock one because they were just talking about Seven yeah. Swords, and it's like. We're already reading this. Like, well, how, so, yeah, no, it's, it's 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 all good stuff. I really liked how they talked about the businesses. How yes, they're their businesses, how they're expanding. Scout goes into some detail about the comic tag thing that I talked mm-hmm. about. You know, I really enjoyed that. You know, like figuring out what their strategies are, what they're planning to do. Right. You know, they talked about Scoot being a part of Scout and stuff like that. It was really cool. I like that. So, hey, CDCC, give Vault a, a panel next time. Uh, see. I want to ask. I actually want to ask the Wassels if they are interested. I, I feel like they're, and I love them to death, but I feel like they're hipster enough to be like <laughs> Comic Con. I'm not doing Comic Con. That's for losers. Like, so I don't even know if they want to. If they do, they should. That would be awesome. I will mm-hmm. 100% moderate that panel, guys. Just so it's like, like they're not even like like. I mean, they're new, but like not new new enough to like have like a short catalog. They can just display so much. Yeah, but yeah, check them all out. Tons of great panels. But I highly recommend the X-Men one. Yes. Uh, if you're a Batman fan, check out the Batman one. If you're a Superman one, check out the Superman one. If you are a horror fan, yes. check out the DC horror one because that was cool. Ooh, okay. Uh, they talk about the nice house on the lake and like all the other stuff. So there was like a lot of videos, like like every hour they were just like, Hey, there, there's this, this, this lot to just jump into where I was just like for a second, it was almost like intimidating. Cause like I started going into them really, really late. So yeah, I just started going to like my comfort zones and like all like the, the tag words, and, like the horror ones, the queer horror ones were really fun too. The, uh, the Junji to Q and a one, but it was, <sighs> It was kind of a mirror of the of last year's version of it, and then after a while, I noticed that they were, <laughs> I guess the best way to put it, they were doing the Lost in Translation thing on me, where Junjiita was talking, 
but the subtitles were not catching up. So you would just get the simplest text and it's like, I know he, I know he's saying way more than this. Uh, yeah, but that's about it. <laughs> also, check out the panel about the Winchester Mystery House comic that's coming. Ooh. One of the coolest, craziest stories, real stories in U.S. history is the Winchester Mystery House. Dope. And do you know anything about it? Which is that one? So it's this house. This woman basically believes there was a curse on the house and she had to continuously build on that house. one. Okay, for sure. Yes. So they're they're making a comic and it got its own panel at this. Um, oh, dope. okay. I'm definitely gonna go back to that one. And the writer was talking about how he'd go into he, he was able to go into the house, and it was so crazy that he'd find a room. He's like, "This is a really cool room." And then he'd be like, "You know what? I want to use that room in the book. I'll go there and take pictures for the artist." And then he wouldn't be able to find the room because it's that confusing. Like, never be able to find his way back to that room is so crazy. So okay, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, it's really really cool. And they were really nice on Twitter when I gave them a shout out. So yeah. But yeah, check all that out. Um, with that being said, we're going to get straight into our comics because we got some stuff to go through. So <laughs> uh, so let's go ahead and start this post-Comic-Con week ramble with a boom. Mm-hmm. Boom Studios. Um, we got two boom books. Let's start with good luck number two. Cool, cool. All right, so Creative Team, written by Matthew Ehrman, drawn by Stefano Simeone, letter by Mike Fiorentino. Uh, so we got a little more information about this world. Uh, for those who don't remember, this is the world where basically the gods of luck collided and luck goes haywire, basically. And the government is training these kids who have no luck to go on specific missions into the world where luck has gone awry and stuff like that. So um, it's a second issue, I think... They did a really good job of building on the first issue. And um, you start to get to know the characters, you know, each each kid a little mm-hmm. bit more, a little bit more, which is a lot of fun. It has a very shocking ending. And yes. I don't think it's I don't think it's as, you know, straightforward as it seems mm-hmm. because the kids are bad luck, but you know but it still was pretty shocking. And then it was almost like the writer handed the story off to a new character. At the end. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like, so I enjoyed it though. I I think it's really cool. I'm really curious to see where it goes. I love Matthew Ehrman. So, Oh, for sure. Like, like I I love anything he did this stuff into. And I love that this was more of his, like more of a serious approach over like an overarching story. Um, Cause the first issue was really good. It was just like really dense for, again, we're think where we were thinking it was going to be a little more simple with like good, luck, bad luck. And then, but this issue, I, I love it. I love it when a second issue just like really just like, oh, you thought that was it. Let me just open it up so much fucking more. Yeah. And yeah, the ending is just where it was like, oh, fuck, how could I not see it? Or how was I just like thinking so small? And yeah, he completely got me. So good job, fucking Matthew. I'm fucking all on board with this one. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm, re- I'm really enjoying the creativity of it and everything. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That takes us to our other boom book for the week, which is Sick. Something is killing the children. Number eighteen. Such a good cover. Um, I got great, that cover too. Great it's cover. So great. Uh, so written by James Tiny in the fourth, or Tynan, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I discovered that during Comic Con, by the way. Oh, okay. When they gave him his award, I was like, "Oh, it's Tynan. Cool." Yeah. <laughs> um, illustrated by Worth Deladera, color by Michael Muerto, and letter by Ann World Design. So we're still in the origin of Erica Slaughter, and this is. Such a good issue of this book. 
So badass. Just little touches. Like, just like Big Gary Slaughter's appearance. Just the way he looks, you know? Like, he's got this whole, like, like a vibe about him almost, but, you know, kills monsters, you know? This moment. <laughs> yeah. She jumps up into his arms. That just, yep. I was just like, oh, it's so sweet. Because, you know, it's too easy to see these characters as these, like, monster slayers who aren't really people. And we already got her attitude over everybody else in the house. Yeah. So that this was like very surprising. It's like, oh, cool. Yeah. But we get to find out more about the trial. And uh, fuck. It's, it, this is one of those things I don't want to talk too much about because it was just so epic. You guys should experience it yourself. And also because we don't know what's going to happen until the next issue. Yeah, that's so. true. But it was really cool. We're finding out more about her and her demon that now is inside of her little stuffed animal. Octo. Octo. Who has a name. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I just love it, dude. It's so great. Like, it's just it's just a great, great story. And we're diving more into the origin. And I think it's cool because we're getting the House of Slaughter book soon. Yes. So this is so setting should, up the House of Slaughter well. You know? this should, we should get more of this shit, or at least say how it would play out differently for the other recruits. <laughs> or how it was for Aaron. Right. Because we know it's okay for her, because we see her. Right. Later, but, or at least okay, quote. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, pretty good stuff. Um, now let's move on to Image. Uh, Image Comics. We got three books. I'm going to start with my solo book, and then Hostway's got two. I got The Old Guard, Tales Through Time, number four. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, So, there's two stories, just like every issue. And they've really done a great job of getting nothing but just stars to write these stories. Like, we've gone, we've looked at the other ones. I think Kelly Thompson did one. You know, just it's 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 an anthology one, yeah. Yeah. So, this has two stories. The first, the Hostway Man. First one's written by Matt Fraction. Nice. Yeah, with art by Steve Lieber and colors by Daniel Miwa. Miwa. The second story is by David F. Walker. Ooh. Yeah, okay. with, art, with art by Matthew Clark and colors of Rebecca McConnell. Nice. So, both of these stories, it, it has been where these stories actually take place kind of far apart, but they actually kind of place these two somewhat near each other in history. So the first one is about our main character. Uh, the one played by Charlize Theron in the in the movies, mm-hmm. or in the movie, um, how she was in love with a black man. Uh, I don't, do they give a year? I don't think they give a year, but like in a southern town, and uh, they lived together and stuff, and they were in love, and the, and the neighbors were kind, and she was there, you know, the entire time, and of course she doesn't age, and so they're living together, and she's like. It's a fine place to die. Well, for everyone but her. What happened to your wife? What happened to your daughter? What happened to your granddaughter? Only a matter of time. And then she decides to leave to prevent him from the pain. And that's when the villagers decide to kill him. Ah. Uh. Yeah. So they, they end up burning the house down with him inside. She comes back, finds the burned up house, digs up her old axe, Ooh. and kills the entire town. Oh, my God. And it, the last line is, how do you make a ghost town? First you take a town, then you fill it with ghosts. It's like, fuck. <laughs> like, Damn. And, and then the David F. Walker one is one of the guys in the story, which I really like this one. Okay. He's basically in a Confederate uniform and they're in the Civil War and he's <laughs> injured on the side of the road. And they're like, 
Jesus, Mister! Like some of the some of the Confederate soldiers find him. They're like, Jesus, you look like you were dead. He's like, No, no, I'm okay. I'm like, Well, join us. And so he walks them, and in the middle of the night, he kills them all and frees the slaves they were trying to transport back. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then he lays down on the side of the road to pretend to be injured again. He's <laughs> like, he's like an inside spy thing. It's so good, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, I really, really dug it. So, um, the next issue. We do know one story is going to be by Jason Aaron. So oh, cool. that'll be cool. Yeah. But I'm excited. It was really, really, really well done. I love uh, the old guard stuff. I just dig it. So, this way, your image books. Let's start with That Texas Blood 8. Oof. Okay. That Texas Blood number eight. This one written by Chris Condon and Jake. And yeah, by Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips. It's really how they're uh, just how they're, how they're uh, accredited. So I'm pretty sure Jacob Phillips is the artist. So this one, we dive into more second arc, third, third arc. That's right. Um, or part three, I, I suppose. We're diving more into a backstory on the sheriff and how there was this like fucked up, like there's like a fucked up case that happened way back when on this little girl that died, but weird stuff happened. There's a part where um, he's alone with said rescued girl at this point and the sheriff is trying to keep her company and warm at this point uh, in the cold night by campfire because they were just like out in the in the boonies. Again, this is like a very small town in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And he's keeping her warm. The fire literally goes fucking apeshit. And it literally, it, 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 the mystical stuff starts happening where it's just more, it's not that it's like, and now it's everywhere, but it's just like more like, satanic shit starts like uh happening around like there's like cult drops anyway he's the one that has to like now report back that the little girl is dead like back to the house like hey like we found her like and he's the one that has to tell like the mom like like basically case closed like we found her i'm sorry moving on like he's still it's like before the case is really gonna be closed there's a this is like with the entered like this other journalist that is like piecing together He's piecing a lot of conspiracies together that maybe this town might not be all that safe. That it might it might be like the soil. There's something wrong with the soil, and he starts. And that's, that's when like the sheriff starts getting all like skeptic, along with his partner being like, "Dude, like we get that you build this fancy report. Like he's from he he came from like he's a journalist from LA, and he's like not, but he's he pieces together. But it's like, yeah, we're not having that shit here." Um, even though it has happened before, like in like it was like 1923, like like, like the sheriffs were like boys even then, so like they might not even remember. But it starts really dropping like the of uh, allure that this shit, this town, this like land might be haunted, in a, or cursed in in a sense, because like just like a lot of bad shit is starting, starting to happen. And then we had that nothing really elaborate. It really happened like that in the first arc, but it was weird. Like they're like the bad guys were almost like up to something. It's definitely worth the reread just to see how it's connected because now it's like we're still we're still following like the rest of the case like now the case just got bigger like the whole thing with the with the journalist was that like he kind of he was kind of pointing fingers like to the sheriff's like hey you might want to go get that guy but there were that's when they were like yo i get that you made this fancy report but this since there's no evidence we can't just go and drop hey are you doing bad stuff we had to follow up with something so and that's when yeah they they've follow up on a report and then now it's like they're kind of forced to go and that's really where we left off so yeah i'm excited where it builds because it's just like this really third arc like almost like second volume really just amped up with like 
how mundane it, it felt and now we're just getting to like really culty dark shit i'm 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 getting into that part where i'm like i'm starting to recommend that texas blood it's cool nice uh what about department of truth 11 oof you mean nominated for eisner 2021 <laughs> including best new series department of truth this little series by James Tynan the fourth artist Martin Simmons and lettering uh Adita Bidikar. Man, this little two-parter on Bigfoot, the Yetis, and or the Sasquatches, all roll into one, depending on where their origins came came from. It's ultimately so sad. <laughs> it's uh it, it it does follow that that side A and side B with um that old man that Pretty much his life went to shit because of his obsession that was pretty much like inherited from his dad. Like they were the only two people in their family circle that just believed in this in the big in this thing so hard that it drove their family almost like apart. It's like basically his life was basically his dad's and how like after a nasty divorce and it's like a strange strange kids in the end. You you, ha- you follow these texts like these pretty wordy like passages but it's all painting the story on like on his life. And he's, he's ultimately writing to his son and almost like a giant, I'm sorry if it is, if, if this is all like, if this, if this is all for nothing, but you now this is like almost like all I had. Uh, if you had, <laughs> Cause he's like, he's, he's going on one last mission to like one last hunt to go find a Bigfoot. And this is where he found the three fucking uh, Hawk, the, the lady that runs the, like the ranger of, of the department of truth and cool. There's a part where he has like crosshairs on Cole, but he doesn't shoot because he starts listening, listening a little bit more. And they're talking their bullshit, like literally like dropping everything on like what it means or how Bigfoots are real and how it started out small. And then something like a picture of a log from a lake turned into something that people believe that something is something like the Loch Ness Monster. And now it's more real. Um, and it's just like they're kind of elaborating how it's been like harder to contain based on like technology. So they're doing everything they can. And Cole even brings up, so it's like, so what our job is to just like kill everybody that just like witnesses or just like knock it in the way. And they're pretty much like, well, it's either that, or we let the world go ultimately to shit. If more people start seeing it. And then because they believe it, they start making it more real. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so the, the old man starts getting a little too closer to them. And as he's getting closer or that's right. As, as he gets like the crosshairs on Cole, a Bigfoot finally appears on the old man. And it's just like, it's just so dope. It's like, for some reason, I don't know why, like the weird stuff has like all the circles around him. It's not really in the middle. It's just like around like the legs, the limbs and mostly in the head. And I think it's like to indicate like they're, they're meant to distort your senses, like to, to distort everything. So you don't really remember it, but you know that it's like at some point a memory will hold. And the old man starts like crying blood. And it's just, it's just like how fucked up. It's just like really, messing with him and right before it's gonna like launch at the old man at least like the rangers were able, were able to turn around because he was like right right behind them they were they were turning around and the rangers like shoots the big foot in the head and kills him and then there's like the fucking like crazy moment where like hawk just like goes to the old man and it's like how long have you been looking and i first read it as like oh shit like how long he's has he been like behind us like how much did you listen and he replies 50 years like because that's how long this this whole thing this whole obsession has been killing him and hawk just has a tender moment this dude who says like 
heinous shit. Like he says like fucked up shit sometimes where he's like it's very insensitive stuff based on certain like conspiracies. But that's just because like how hardened and how calloused he is based on on everything he's he's had to do for us. In this case, he sees the old man. I don't see. I don't see. I don't know if he sees a little bit of himself, but he's just like, yo, it's cool. You got it. You found it. You're able to let it go. You're able to put it to rest. And he almost like he hugs the man, and just like, and he just literally he just says like, hey, it's okay. Just like two little words that just could just mean the world to somebody. And he literally walks, lets him walk away. And the question, Hawk of all people, are just like, you're just gonna let him? And it's like. Like he won't like he's like nobody's gonna fucking believe him anyway. But it's also the first time you get a shot of his face. It's always like the cap is too low or it's just shaded over. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, this dude has like seen and done a lot of fucking shit. So I to just see him should. Yeah. And now it's just like um disposing the body of, of this Bigfoot. And yeah, and in the end you just get like one last pa- like the last passage of, of the old man to his son and just being like it's not really like, yo, I fucking found him. It was just like a letter sent to him before he went on this trip. Cause this guy was just going to keep going into the woods until he found this, uh, until he found this thing, whether he was going to come back or not. But the, the son was going to get this last letter. And there's a picture, like a, a young picture, an old picture of them, like just like younger, like the son's older, like almost like probably the last good picture they ever had together. And it's just like, it just got really fucking sad. And it's like, oh man, this, this book, man, it's so good. <laughs> nice. All right, let's move on to Source Point Press. And oh my god, I just want—I just want to start. I just want to like a little uh, preview for next next month. Yeah, this fucker's gonna dip into the uh, Ruby Ridge shootout scenario, and it's like, what the fuck are you gonna say, dude? What, <laughs> what are you gonna spit on this thing? I'm excited. <laughs> I guess shouldn't be, but it's just like comics. Comics, yeah. <laughs> All right, now on to Source Point Press. Yes. Now uh, we got two books. We each got a solo book, so. Um, I picked up Runes, Son of the Black Wolves, number one. So this is a Viking tale. That looks cool. Yeah. Uh, the creative team, it's Ivan. Uh, oh, man, you guys are going to give me a hard time this week. <laughs> Ivan Lasitignola. Art and co-creation by Francesco La Quinta. English translation by Alicia Teruji. Colors and lettering by Juan, or Ivan and Alicia. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. So. <laughs> okay. This is really cool. Um, it's very much a European comic. And before I even read translation, I was like, yeah, it's, this isn't from the U.S. at all. Okay. Um, because, like, well, you, you, you read enough comics now to understand this art. This is European action art. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. So, um. So basically, we have this Viking, and the story is he's the sole survivor of a shipwreck, and he lands in in the UK, where their mortal enemies are, mm-hmm. and he's basically left alone entirely. And you find out that what happened was he was taken by other Vikings as a captive. He he was basically going to be put on trial for murder, and he's like, "I didn't do it." It's very clear they were like. Um, they were setting him up for something for some reason. And then the boat sank and he gets away. So he's like, well, I get away and all this stuff. And he's trying to find his way. And it's really cool. Um, It's very bloody. It's hmm. very violent, as a Viking book should be. Nice. Um, A bunch of farmers attack him. And all he has is like, he found like a stone hammer. And he just wrecks them all without trying, really. Like you can see here. 
Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. A good, like, head smash. Like, pop. Yeah, yeah pop. <laughs> well, then he finds out that one of the other Vikings also survived the train wreck, and run, or the, the boat wreck, and cool. runs into him. Sneaks up on him, and fucking executes the guy. Like, just straight up kills him, like, for, for betraying him and stuff like that, so... Um, and then it takes an interesting turn because the the other villagers are like, "Oh no, there's a Viking here. Or let's let's go find help." And then we see this chick oh, who is okay. who is a witch. Nice. And um, she raises the dead. Oh, cool! To go hunt him down, and then um. Uh, he gets captured by some by some villagers too. So this is really cool. A lot going on in the first issue, but not a lot of characters really meet because he basically kills everybody he runs into. So <laughs> that helps. But I really dug it. I, I'm digging this. I don't really have a source point press book right now, so I think this is going to be my one. So nice. Yep, I dug it. All right. Why don't you talk to me about Cult of Dracula Five? Cult of Dracula Number Five. Uh, writer slash creator. Uh, free property, right? Uh, Rich Davis, artist is uh, Puskal Sala, and colors by Alex Zeef, and lettering desi- and design by Dave Lentz. So this is where it really starts deviating from like the source material, and it starts really becoming its own thing. Since the last one, we start to branch off on like how Dracula was Lilith, the first woman, the first spawn lady to really turn on the big guns upstairs. So leading lady in my book. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and this it's playing two stories. The story really, really fucking loves uh, it's Lucy because it's like half of this book is about her, and the other one is about uh, Mina. How Mina is like the the in this case it's not it kind of it almost makes like the the movie just like more creepy because in this case Mina is a descendant of Lilith. It's just playing that that trope, um, so it's not going off of like my long lost love. Meanwhile, uh, Lucy is just like having one last conversation with Arthur and being like, yo, when we were together, like it was, it was cool at first. It was fucking great at first, but then you were the one that distanced yourself. You, you were, she starts like just pointing fingers and it's like, you were the one that really fucked all this up. So it really, it's really what drove me here. And it really started with like, so did you come to kill me? And she was just like, no, like I was, but seeing you have seeing you right now and like talking it out right now. And it's like, no, nah, I'm not going to kill you. Um, <laughs> so it's just like, they had like one last kiss and just like she just has like her last words with them it's like it and it doesn't hurt for long it's like the heartache dying it's like but you said you wouldn't hurt me it's like i won't but my fucking new sister said fucking sure will <laughs> so they had their way with him and yeah the dude's pretty much bugged anyway back to the the story uh to fucking uh mina she's just like coming to grips and she almost has like a a choice like she doesn't have to like like succumb to like be or be like the next in line to like the next heir to Dracula basically. And she starts, I don't want to say that she, I mean, she basically like says like, fuck yes. But the way she talks is like, it almost sounds like she is being entranced to saying yes, but it's not at the same time. I don't know. It's, it's, I like, how, I like how this book was definitely the most vampire book of them all. Like the, these last two issues have just like been better since it started like deviating from the actual source material. Like it should have been its own vampire book maybe. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's Cult of Dracula. It's just, in the end, it's just silly. It's just like a, a fun, silly book. Nice. I might have to pick up that trade. That yeah. Great, 
visually it really looks great i mean honestly no like once you get like the the, the boom this is dracula you're like oh fuck yeah like I'm, I'm like this is why you stay for the book yeah all right uh let's go ahead and switch to another publisher Hooksway. i need you to talk to me about behemoth comics and you promised me darkness four yeah you promised me darkness number four uh daniel Connolly's you promised me darkness and annabella mazaferi i believe she's the translator so this Sorry, is the, what's his first name his first name uh damien or oh, you Dam- said daniel oh, da- oh damien <laughs> that's what it was like that's what i was like i thought it was damien okay yeah damien damien sorry my bad Connolly. Uh, again this is the book where it starts getting cooler but i wish there was like not more exploitation in the issue but maybe more issues to just like just to take their time with the characters because it's so many things coming together and so many like places moving back to back that like, mm, like I almost want to say I don't get this book just because like, I'm just like trying so hard to follow it. But like this book itself is jumping back and forth between places. And even like, so like this guy is like the narrator um it's right. I, I call him the abe sapien of this book because he really is like the smart one but in this case he's just like the goofy version of it but he can just like speak he he just gets like hella meta and he says at one point and drops the word meta but at another point it's just like look it, it even says like he's explaining what's going on and then purposes in the face of a new battle wait Am I confusing you? Doesn't matter. Keep reading. It literally jumps scene and it doesn't even want to tell you what's going on. And that's what's so frustrating about this book because like it's really fucking cool. And visually with some some uh, places just being almost like negative spaces instead of just like a complete black and white page. I just want to call them like negative pages. And they're just, they're just such a cool design of a book. But I, I want to be able to be like, yo, I get what's going on. Or like the next supposed to be like twist. I want to be like, holy shit, that was fucking heavy. But it's almost like, I don't know. I barely know any of these people, but they're almost, they all seem so important coming together or like with their cool, like weird comet powers. Oh, you promised me darkness. Just answer me some questions. Nice. Okay. Well then let's move on to magma comics now. Yes. Go ahead and tell me about modern Frankenstein. Modern Frankenstein by story by Paul Cornell, uh, art by Emma uh, Viacelli, our colorist is by Pippa Boland, and lettering by Simon Boland. So, sexy times, Frankenstein times. Oof! And now we find out that the the doctor, the one that started getting super sexy with Doctor Fr- Jason Frankenstein, they got pregnant somehow, even though they were supposed to be using protection. But I guess sometimes we're just too much fun. And then it's like, oops. So now it's just supposed to be serious because she does sound like, yo, this happened. And he's just like, oh, yeah, fucking great. And she just says, like, yo, I'm still, I'm still not sure. And he's like, yo, your fucking choice, but I'm all on board if, if you go with it. So since we're doubling down and getting serious, it's time to meet mom, actually meet mom. And this, like, her mom, who's, you know, I think her only family right now, like, left, who had, like, dementia like her mind was just like really going out in old age and it was his potion his concoction his serum that made her better like basically like dawn of the planet of the apes like scenario with john john let's go and he comes over to dinner and starts being this like and in in no way because of race but he starts like dropping these this like 
elitist ass like like shit like on the mom where it's just like it's just like wow oh like i he just starts getting like more, mostly scientific or like based or like at some point like religion is bullshit where it's just like maybe not at first dinner bro and he's just like they're, they're just have it out outside there's like a fight outside and just like and there's like a no, i'm sorry moment it's like well, we're all back together um so yeah, it, it, he starts showing his colors. Like we start, we finally start seeing the monster that is this Doctor Frankenstein, and what extremes he's able to do when he's actually alone. And then also the doctor, I, I, I fucking suck that I'm forgetting her name, but she starts finding out or starts researching on what he's actually doing. And there's a particular email that because a lot of the experiments aren't working, the experiments or like the the process that she really believes she really does believe in his work. She's not just like, like just being all lovey because it's, it's, he's just like super handsome. She really does believe on this solution, but it's not weird. It's not really working. And so she finds the the email on like, maybe like a hypothesis that like, maybe it'll work with an actual like newborn specimen from birth. And it's like, uh Oh, so that's where the, uh Oh, got left off. And I think the last one might be the, la- the last issue. Does it say to be concluded? Uh, where's the page? Every time. Yeah, to be concluded, next issue will be the last issue. I'm very sure she'll be like, yo, what the fuck are you trying to do with this baby? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <sighs> Sounds like a ride. <laughs> it's a ride, dude. It's like, a, it's a, even like Nick asked me, like, yo, like, how are you liking this book? And I had no idea how to answer it. <laughs> also, because there was like a kid, like, in, like, right behind it, like, in, in, in his part, in his corner, reading a comic book. So I didn't want to be like, yo, this, like, it's just like. <laughs> It, afterwards, I, sh- I knew I should have said it's, this book is all work, no play. Or yeah, all all play, no work. But I just like it was just like I couldn't. I didn't know what to say because it was just like dude, it's all sexy times in this book, and now, yeah. now it's coming together or coming apart. <laughs> yeah. All right, shifting gears to aftershock comics. We got two books from aftershock. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Phantom on the Scan number four. Now, before we get into it, I'm going to say I did purchase it, but I didn't get a chance to read it because I actually missed issue three, so I'm trying to catch up before I do. Okay. Um, so I'll do the creative team, and you can tell us about it. Written by Colin Bunn, drawn by Mark Torres, letter by Dave Sharp. <sighs> okay. Um, first and foremost, definitely, and if you're reading this this book and the series, listen to the music that it drops on you because it's not it's not your it's not your songs it's not just it's not even just like an instrumental it's just more like what a score would be or like what noises or parts would would sound like it's so cool i fucking love how every single time how they just come out because yeah they would be instrumentals but just not in your regular conventional sense uh that being said god i I can't i don't want to spoil it too much on this one because it's like our characters finally get a breather from like going from place to place and getting short answers and then being like, we gotta get the fuck out of here. They're finally able to almost like to talk to each other and like actually have some character development. So I don't want to like, like dip in too much, especially if you're a little behind on this one. Um, but it's still, it's still really good. It's, it's probably one of the better Colin book, Colin Bun books out there right now. Um, I just like the art style, like the definitely with like the music. I love how like the, the art definitely uh, Mark Torres just excels on like, painting these like bleak scenes is like the best way to put it. And it's like painting almost like, and ha- we're having this, like this great touches to them without just like really di- without diluting it too much. But I'll show you one page. That's not really a spoiler or anything since you've seen this character, but like, you know what I mean with this art? 
it's just it's, it's so badass like oh, yeah. it's like the art really excels like it really pushes the the story on this one really really loving phantom on the scan nice next up our other aftershock book and one i'm so excited for i actually forgot this was a book <laughs> nice and when it came back i'm like oh yeah i love this i can't wait because i was so excited about it before and i just kind of forgot it was out there which is mm-hmm. seven swords number two yes uh, written by Evan Dougherty, drawn by Ricardo Latina, colored by Valentina Bianchoni, and letter by Dave Sharp. Um, so this is the one about D'Artagnan after the fall of the Musketeers, and he's out for revenge, wants to take out the Cardinal, and he is basically told you need to find these seven people to fight with you and have this awesome swashbuckling adventure. <laughs> and uh, so this is issue two and we get a little bit more lore about why they're coming together and we find out that it's all about the Morning Star Blade uh, the blade that was fused in uh, or forged excuse me in God's love and it's the only weapon that can defeat God and it's the one that Satan slash Lucifer used and you know failed <laughs> and so it was destroyed at that time well the blade is in one place and the hilt is in the other place. So if you can get them together, boom, you got the Morningstar most powerful blade ever. Uh, so Tartanian's like, I don't care. I just want to care- kill the Cardinal. And that's basically his whole motivation. And if there's uh, no Cardinal, there's no bad guy to hold the sword. So done. Yeah, exactly. That'll work <laughs> in the end, you know, like, so that's good. Um, and he's with Sister Catalina, who we met last issue, who is awesome. And then we get the awesome montage of recruitment like in every heist movie and yes. I love it, where they go and they they encounter Cyrano de Bergerac who is just seducing all the women from a distance because they can't see that him because <laughs> he's obviously got the big nose and he's you know chubby and stuff but the girls are like damn this guy's hot and then they get interrupted and he eviscerates these three men verbally which is fucking amazing oh my god so good <laughs> And then he challenges them to a fight. Um, he could probably win a three-on-one fight, but just in case, D'Artagnan and Catalina step in mm-hmm. and they help him out. Um, but the best part is him and D'Artagnan don't exactly get along. <laughs> so, and then, but they both hug Cardinal Richelieu. So perfect. <laughs> hey, it works. Then they go to the theater, and they are here to uh, recruit their next member. Just so much fun. So badass. Um, so we see this what looks to be a heavy set uh, older person. Uh, it's it's hard to tell. Very very nondescript. Um, but what what's they're doing? Uh, was it Eurydice and uh, oh, I'm trying to remember which play it was. It's the one from Hell. Um, Orpheus. Orpheus and Eurydice. Oh yeah. Um, and there's a very beautiful woman on stage. And suddenly she's attacked by real people, like, like really attacked, not like, yeah. Um, and she is their fourth blade and yes. she might be my favorite character in this book series from now on. Oh, she might be. Um, she's hitting on everybody, <laughs> yes. which I thought was excellent. She's like, you're hot. You're pretty hot. You're hot. And I'm like, yes, I love her. Um, so she joins the group basically because she's like, fuck it. This will be fun. So, and then we meet our fifth person, which is Don Juan. I love me some Don Juan. He is great. 
This thing got spicy. It did get a bit spicy. Yes, there's a lot of spicy stuff this week actually for us. Yeah, team of the week actually. So, uh, so he's he's basically about to bang this chick, and then the others show up, and they're like, "This is weird." And he fights them naked, and they make a bunch of jo- jokes about his dick. Just <laughs> great. And then uh, they get captured, or they they they're being held up by some guardsmen. Basically, so that's where we left off. So it's mostly a recruiting issue, but I really enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed these characters. Um, I'm I'm so he, excited how they're going to be able to recruit the next guy. Did you, did you get the, read the little tease? Who it's going to be? I did, but I forgot. Let me pull the it. man in the iron mask. Yes, yes, exactly. So, uh, all these characters, all these like in, in, inclusions, and now it's like, oh, fuck, they're going. All, they're really going all over the place. Fucking love it. I love that both, both both fucking women on the team are just like actual like just a badasses. Totally, yeah, one hundred percent. So I I really dig it. You you know I'm a classical literature person. So yes, um, I love I love every one of these characters. And so yeah, so the, those uh those burns that he was like, I mean like those those seductions at first, and then those like fucking burns outright like back to back. Just like oh, th- this dude really does have range. <laughs> this dude fucks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so really, really dug that. I'm very excited to see what else we get from that because I love that series and uh, hope we get quite a bit from it. So moving on, let's talk about Vault. Man, last week we're like, no Vault books this week. Well, Vault made up for it. Yeah. Uh, so once again, all cards on the table. I was not able to pick up Witchblood 5. I didn't even know it came out this week. Ooh. Uh, it wasn't on my list, and uh, there was absolutely none on the wall, so I didn't know any better. So I'm going to let Josue start by telling me about Witchblood 5. Well, first and foremost, the cover. I had to go with the variant, the big red tarot. Oh. Fucking big red in the tarot form. It's like, I have to. I have to get that. Because I don't know the tarot cover. It, 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 it wasn't even because it was like the only, the only copies like left available were like just the, these variants, but it's like, yo, this cover fucking is awesome. <laughs> Oh, like oh, and no, sorry. The other variant was the the connecting one. So, as so if you've seen it, it's like the the big like it's it's like one of the, it might be one of the goddesses, just like just being super badass. But I, I'm not collecting the connecting one. So, so this is the other one. But fucking hey, this is just like so good. Anyway, this one, another book by Matthew Ehrman and uh, created by Lisa Sterl as well. Colors by Gia Contreras and lettered by And World. I almost like I have to be so light in this one because it's okay. I mean, like synopsis at least. Uh, yes, we visit another random town uh, around the the southwest that is in need of help. Only in this case, again, like the actual three uh, leading ladies have to work together. So you do get a more character development instead of just like saying the next the next line the next uh, quip to each other. There's still some of that, but at the very least, like. Again, like this book, the one that really shines is fucking Big Red. Uh, fucking uh, Yana is, is is still very much like it's all about my book, but I love that she's the one that keep it, keeping the peace in this one. Um, it really shows that she's kind of like the middleman on like the three different roles that they they have. I guess like they're both like uh, Atla and Red are like hex hunters. And obviously, they they would be hunting Yana, but in this case, they have to work together because of the vampires. But in the, like, but they really just like almost like come together in this one just to be able, to be ready to face the actual. Uh, vampires but there's this great shot because like again like any town has like their own like uh, mystical person there's a great shot on like the one from this town she looks up at yana and it's like you almost think it's like oh it's like her way of the mirage because she's just like so like just 
sun baked from like being out there because she's like she's a witch dowser. She's like as more of a simple one. She's trying to find water for this town that's literally drowned. So it's almost like what is she really doing? But she looks up at Yana, and I, I don't want. I'm not even going to show you the page, but it's like you almost see her true form or like her ancient form. It's like fuck, like. I need I need a whole like prequel series on the on the Yana uh, Yana's tale because that was just it's just fucking beautiful. Uh, definitely try to find find this book uh, when you can because this is definitely really cool. Yeah, I'm gonna pick it up over the weekend. Yeah, um, I, I'm gonna go to the main store. So, uh, all right, and uh, go ahead and tell me about Shadow sh- yeah, Shadow Service Ten. Shadow Service Number Ten, the conclusion to the second volume, and uh, man. Did a lot of crazy shit happen in this one. Basically, when just one last giant, like, demon bomb was going to go out and, like, possess everybody to just go ape shit first around this church and just, like, and then let it spread after that through the main character, through the main witch. She was basically, like, basically the, the driving force to this curse. Um, but they were able to still capture the one that's, like, the main demon lady that's running this said curse. They were able to trap her inside one of. I guess one of um fucking not Edwin I'm trying to find her name uh, I can't find her on this page. Um, she's a friend of uh, of the the protagonist, and in order to really get rid of this curse, it's kind of like they start hurting him or like really like uh, like MI six 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 starts like hurting the body because like it's like yo like I got tortured through every single demon, even the Morning Star Lucifer himself. So no torture you can do can like really hurt me. And then, yeah, the kid slash ancient really uh, being. So the torture dude comes, right? It's always like the little boy, like, just, like asking the questions, but he gets like his hitman and he comes like with this like oversized, like industrial pliers. So like, oh shit, here come the fingers. But he instead just like stabs the whole thing in his chest. <laughs> so he so can hurt the demon. You're like, oh fuck. Okay. We're just like going ape shit on this one. Uh, so yeah, in the end, they have to, they have to kill the body that they killed. Um, his name is Quill in order to finally get rid of like that demon or at least for her to go back to hell mission accomplished uh everybody is saved or at least like the people left in the church that are not dead based on like this like giant snuff orgy that was that was started ensuing and it's like this rage chaos so they're just like oh fuck that's just maybe i'll forget about this because they don't really address it or some sort of like and like news segment where like and another news like people are just not dealing with it at all they just don't address it um the protagonist becomes race number three uh, as part of a MI six six six, but now she has like more control over of her witch powers. And the little epilogue three weeks later is that she goes to a grave and summons the spirit of Quill, and he might have some answers on maybe some dirty secrets from the MI six 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 six. And it's really cool because fucking love that this book is still going. It's still arguably my favorite vault artist, my favorite vault art book. Uh, just the, the designs of like of demons, like just, that shit's just it's so cool. It's such a badass thing, and I'm glad there's like the very um, I got the variant to the last book you'll ever read is uh, the, is this artist uh, uh, Howell. Oh, that's right, creative team. Sorry, Kevin Scott writer Corin Howell. I got the I got his variant for the other book we're going to talk about. Colors for this one still Triona Farrow and Anne World also did the lettering for this one. But yeah. Volume two wrapped up for Shadow Surface. Nice. All right, and let's talk about the rest of our wall books that I actually got. Yes. Uh, we'll start with the Blue Flame, Flame number three, written by Christopher Cantwell, uh, drawn by Adam Gorham, colored by Kurt Michael Russell, and lettered by Hassan Asmane Elhau. 
Um, did you use, listen to the score? Yes. I mean, like it's, it's still like the same playlist. Yeah. But I think that's oh, like, is it, oh, it's the same playlist. Oh, I thought yeah. you changed the issue. That's cool. Um, so, guys, this is the one that seems to be taking place at two different locations. We got a guy pretending to be a hero on Earth that's involved in a mass shooting. Then we have an actual superhero out there doing a trial for the fate All of us. humanity. Yeah. Um, the two stories are starting to bleed together. They're starting to show similarities. Mm-hmm. Like there's a trial on both, you know, like a, a case needs to be built is what it is, you know, <laughs> it's just kind of like, this one was really depressing. Very good. Don't get me wrong, but it was pretty depressing because of how much is going on in his life post shooting. Yeah. And just, I mean, you can't blame him, but also he could be less shitty. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, so, um, but I'm really digging it. It's an issue three, so we're right at that soft spot of where you know we're it's chugging along mm-hmm. without a really big revelation. Uh, what did you think? Um, honestly, I, I I like that we got more on the potential sci-fi side. I just like that we got some dialogue from like the aliens and they're, how like they're kind of like rushing him. And it's like, yeah, that's it. Like we got to make a decision. You got to do the thing now. And how he just like his, how, at least how he's able to just ask some questions. I'm like, we don't really get answers, but at least like we get some back and forth. At least like we get some some history is like on this guy, like the, the alien that's like really pressuring him. And like, we get, we get like kind of where he comes from. And it's kind of like, Oh shit, what is, what's he got to do with all this? But again, like, is that even like the real story? Or just like, again, they're, they're still barely bleeding over together, but I just need to know which is the real one or how, how does this, how does the story work? Cause the other one, yeah, yeah. you definitely be less dickish or that, that drama story. is just like, Oh fuck. That, I'd want to fucking dream about space too. If I was living that life, like Jesus, it's just so dark. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so our next one is from Vault Nightfall. Oh, yes. And that is the last book you'll ever read. Written by Colin Bunn. Yet again, another Colin Bunn book. Uh, drawn by Layla Lays. Uh, colored by Giada Martizio. And lettered by Jim Campbell. So I did get the cover, A. Yeah, me too. But I think just like you, I got the variant. Oh, Ooh. you got a different variant. Yeah, I got this is uh, by Colin Howell. Yeah, holy shit. They're both so good. Yeah, they're both sexy as fuck. It's just like the, I, I love this one because like this is like the it's, the yeah. right side, but I would just love to hang it upside down. Yeah, it yeah, just still cool. works. <laughs> so uh, for the record, uh, we both got variant covers that had to be bagged. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so you can imagine what they look like, uh, but your imagination will fall short. I promise. So that's great. <laughs> um, so this is an issue one, and it's a new st- story, and I'm so intrigued by this already. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an author who's putting out this book about how humanity is regressing to a primal stage, and we're nothing but animals, and she's going on a tour about it, and suddenly there's just these horrific attacks happening, and it seems to be by people who read her book. Mm-hmm. And they're not just attacking people, they're biting at them. They're ripping their throats out with their teeth and stuff like that. Yep. And it's kind of being underplayed by everybody. They're like, man, that's crazy. I can't believe this is happening. Some people are like, it's her fault, but they're not like, you know, freaking out that people are doing this. You know, they're just (laughs) like, she must be in charge, or she must be the reason this is happening. And I'm like, holy shit, this is big shit. So so this kind of leads us up to her going on her big tour and she hires a guy to guard her while she's on her tour and she asks him have you read my book he's like no she's like good basically 
And it's just really graphic and bloody, but it's got a really cool mystery to it. I can't wait to see where it goes. What did Josue think? Yeah, I'm definitely intrigued by the mystery. And it's definitely one of Bolt's Night Bolt's, like, most interesting, like, just, like, scary off the bat. Just like, oh, man, what scary shit are we, are we playing at here? Um, but, fuck, I think she's, I think she's, in, I, I think she's a part of it. Like, she's almost like a demon herself where she made some sort of deal with the demon for the shit to be successful. And now it's all, like, I don't even want to say backfiring on her. It's just, like... I'm just so curious why she's so calm about it too. I'd be fucking horrified if like my book was like causing all the shit, but even like still seeing an attack firsthand coming at her, um, her reaction to the bloody book. And it's like, Oh, this one has seen, has seen some days. Right. And just like, almost like she liked the way that was supposed to look like. And it's like, this book is just so dark and it can just go. I mean, especially with those spicy ass covers, like this book just can go anywhere. And I just, That's I need a thing. This wasn't a particularly sexual book. No. So the fact that we got two nude covers, I'm kind of like, where's this going to go? <laughs> like, So I, I'm, I'm intrigued, though. It's really cool. I really like it. No, me too. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Vault Parade continues. Barbaric number two. <laughs> Written by Michael Marici. Drawn by Nathan Gooden. Colored by Addison Duke. And lettered by Jim Campbell. Um, I really love Nathan's art. Like he's just such a great artist. I don't such think we, a name we bring up enough, but I just love it. So we found out a lot more. Uh, obviously, in the last issue, we found out a lot about our our titular barbarian and his axe. Well, this this issue was dedicated to the witch he met, Soren, and her origin. And it basically, you know, she's she's a necromancer, and she she's had it ever since she was young, and she was able to predict things that you know people hated her for because she'd predict people dying and then they die and they'd blame her and things like that. Um, and it's just really cool. And she's taking him back to this, uh, this temple where she was trying to meditate and found out that the abbot was actually probably demon possessed. Uh, so they go back. It, it's like, you know, a fun adventure. There's a lot of really grim and gory things with little bits of dark humor and stuff like the, the guy that uh, he, forced a bunch of snakes to bite so bad that he his head burst with poison or something oh like my that. god that was such a fucking that's a crazy scene like, what the fuck man so um but it was pretty cool and then they get attacked by a bunch of ghosts and it was really funny because they're like mortal weapons are useless against us and he's like what about mystic weapons and the axe <laughs> is like oh fuck yeah basically so and then he's mad because they don't have blood like it's just great the axe adds a real like nice touch to it so oh totally um, but they get there and there's like this big necromantic looking monolith thing and Soren starts to lose control of her powers. Eyes go all black, all necromancy. And it looks like she's turning on him. I hope she doesn't because I really like her character. Oh, I know, right? Like why get so much exploitation on being like mm-hmm. feeling bad for her if you're just going to be like a bad guy? No, especially because like, like Soren is so hot. Oh, she's crazy hot. Um, I don't expect her to be, a, or I mean, if this was any other book mm-hmm. or any other publisher, I would not expect her to stay a bad guy. Right. The only thing that makes me hesitate is the next issue is the conclusion of this arc. Yes. So is it going to be self-contained stories of just him? You know what I mean? Like, right. If this really is barbaric for the barbarian tales and like the crazy shit he has to like go through and like he meets these people that is like, yo, I guess, I guess you're an ally. I guess you're not an ally. And here's and here's this fucking axe. 
yeah, Conan didn't have a sidekick. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he just walked around and did his shit. So I'm curious also, to see where that goes. This like what the axe. The axe is just so fucking cool. Like the dialogue, all the shit talking is is great. Like the blood drunk is is, is awesome. But they go into a dark cave and it literally lights up. And uh, such a cool touch. Does it to like just the mysticism, like towards like what really, where does this thing really come from? And it's just such a cool design. Yeah, totally. All right, that takes us to our last vault book, <laughs> which we always save for last. Yes. Money shot 13. I could not find the variant cover for the record. No. I know. It's great. It's so good. <laughs> Especially because it's her, the new one. <laughs> which, she's disappeared. I need her back. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, she has to come back. Yeah. So, written by Tim Seeley and Sarah Beattie. Drawn by Caroline Leigh Lane. Color by Kurt Michael Russell and letter by Crank. Um, so when we last left off, our explorers were off doing their own things, um, off on solo missions or at least duo missions. Mm -hmm. Um, so we do get to catch up on them a bit here. Um, little things happening back and forth. The big thing is supermassive black hole and Trinity spheres have been taken captive. Um, and they're basically going to be eaten unless they can get a message to the rest of the group. Um, Little Shot little steals shot. the comic, basically. <laughs> little Shop is, like, charging. And then he's like... Quarry. He's like, quarry, like, quarry or subject ball. And he goes to get the ball, and then he runs out of battery and has to recharge again. <laughs> so, but then the second time, he's like, no, I will not do that. To, like, I'm going to be strong. And so he manages to get a message to the rest of the team to go rescue um, Supermassive Black Hole and Trinity Spheres. So... Um, I love this book. Um, she is just so hot. I just love Dude, her so much. She's the best. Fuck yeah. Like, I just love Trinity. She's the best. But yeah, I, I'm curious to see what Brie does after this because it doesn't seem like this is going to change anything. It's not going to change how she feels. You know what I mean? Like, so. And then we get a tease of like maybe more than just a friendship between Trinity and Supermassive Black Hole. Potentially. He's interested in something more. He laughs it off, but I mean that's what he would do. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so no, I loved it. Trinity Spears just has like the best comebacks. Like oh, yeah. she's so fucking smart, and just like she's she's not someone you have to you, you would underestimate because like, dude, like she fucking had me dying. She's so fucking hot that like when she when her retort is like soft thing in my biz we call that BBW motherfucker. Like <laughs> yeah, girl, fuck yes. Yeah, she's fucking great, dude. All right, so that wraps us up with Vault. Let's move on to the big two. Starting with DC. This is the biggest DC week we've ever had as a group. Yeah, it is. Um, so we're going to get straight into it. I'm going to start with my solo books. First of all, Checkmate number two. Cool. Uh, written by oh DC, why don't you just put your things on the first page like normal people. There we go. Written by, by Ma- Brian Michael Bendis. Art by Alex Maleev, colors by David Stewart, letters by Josh Reed. Um, so once again, this is about how Leviathan is now basically the big spy uh, organization in the world. And Checkmate is formed uh, once again to try and basically slow them down is the best way to look at it. Um, and it's pretty good. It's, it's got some great moments, um, including a very quick duel between Green Arrow and, and Merlin, the his enemy, the archer, which was a lot of fun. Um, a lot going on. Talia is probably the best part of the book uh, because mm. if you don't remember from the last issue, they captured her 
in a bubble and they're like ho- hovering right so so she's <laughs> this is so funny so she's like in this thing and these guys come up and they're talking shit for they're from the league of assassins and this dude's like you used to torture me in the league of assassins you used to beat me for no reason and he's all talking shit he's like you're defenseless now <laughs> and he's she's like oh hello alexander listen to me very carefully and the next panel is all of them dead and her gone. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> like, I just love Talia. There's so much potential there um, to do something with it. So, uh, But in the end, she's about to die at, by, by the bad guy's hands. And who shows up but Superman. Oh, damn. To okay. save her. And the the guy from uh, Leviathan goes, my goodness, an alien from outer space just invaded my country. So I don't know if this is going to become a political thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, really good. I like it. I, I like the I like when DC gets all political intrigue and noir. Like they do it really well. They should do it more. So yeah, dig it. Next up, Detective Comics ten forty. You ready for the deluxe cover? Yeah, let me see. Oh damn. Give so good. <laughs> Give me that Batman bondage. <laughs> so Batman spends the entire issue in prison, basically. Uh, as Bruce Wayne. He turns himself in because he was framed for the murder. And basically the whole thing is he's going to have to stay in there over the weekend uh, while Barbara basically sends the evidence to the police to prove he's not the guy that did it. Um, so he spends the whole weekend next to a guy in a suit who's drunk. And um, we also find out that Huntress, who was infected by Hugh Vile, uh, she's clean, but she's escaped from the hospital. Um and she was under her real name, by the way, under Helena. So, okay. Um, so the drunk guy in the middle of this issue, this is really interesting. Uh, this drunk guy wakes up and he looks over at Bruce and he's like, "Hey, you're Bruce Wayne." He goes, "Yes, I am." He goes, "You know what else I know?" And guys like and Bruce, like what? He goes, "You're Batman." And Bruce is like, "What? Why would you figure that?" And you find out this dude was witnessing a fight between Joker and Batman and ran away, climbed a a, um, a fire escape got on the roof just to hide up there and then afterwards bruce came up there didn't see him and just like adjusted his mask and showed his face and the dude saw he's bruce wayne so bruce actually made a mistake which i really liked that's really cool i actually yeah. like the 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 suit the, the kind of the throwback tim sale uh no jim lee suit yeah yeah from like hush really cool yeah and then the dude falls asleep drunkenly next day he wakes up and he does not remember the conversation he doesn't remember anything he's had to bruce he doesn't remember that he's batman at all right and i'm, okay. I'm like well, that's interesting um also the townhouse that bruce has been staying with all the other rich people penguin blows it up oh. so they're on the hunt for the penguin or for batman and then uh there's a backup story in the back here uh about man bat um basically man bat has died and it's like the story of how he died and it was really cool. I'm, I'm not going to get too much into that, but it was really, really good. So uh, now creative team. Uh, so it's written by Mariko Tamaki, drawn by Dan Mora, colored by Jordi Belair and letter by Aditya Pitakar. The backup story has Dan Waters writing, Max Rayner drawing, Marie Prianto coloring and Rob Lay lettering. So that leads me directly into my next book, Batman Secret Files, Huntress number one. Nice. Deluxe cover. You can't see it because the reflection very well. There you go. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Um, so when she escaped from the hospital, this is where this book takes up. Mm. Basically, she discovers because she was infected by Hugh Vile, even though it's been removed, she's still connected to him and she can see what he's seen. 
and what the other people who are infected are seeing. So basically, she sees hundreds of people around Gotham have been infected and no one knows. And Hugh Viles ordering them to attack people. And she can kind of like precog see what they're doing so she can find out where they are in Gotham and go stop them. And she's doing it by herself. She's not, you know, she doesn't look for help for this. So uh, it was pretty cool. I really dug the idea that, you know, this is a personal vendetta for her. She was infected by him and she's just got to do this herself. Um, this will be continued Detective Comics from this point forward, but they wanted to put a one shot to put it, you know, to get it going. So written by Mariko Tamaki, artist is David Lapham, colors by Trish Mulville, and letter by Rob Lay. So Harley Quinn number five. Once again, deluxe cover. <laughs> oh, cool. So yeah. So uh, this is the culmination of the Hugo Strange story with Harley, where they're both trying to reform the clowns. Yeah. Harley gets caught breaking into Hugo Strange's office, but basically the implication is that she wanted to get caught. And she basically is just talking shit to him, including breaking him down psychologically. <laughs> like talking about when he dressed up as Batman, she's like, you know, maybe you took it a little too far. It kind of seems like a developmental issue. Like kids learn by imitating the actions of adults. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, or is it a sexual thing? She's <laughs> like, and it's just like, he's like, you don't understand at all. And she's like, he's like, uh, what about you co-opting a Harlequin as part of the clown prince of crime thing? And she's like, yeah, that's not where that's not where we're here. Like, we're not talking about you, basically. And she just keeps like, she calls him a Batman wannabe with a bad case of roid rage and astigmatism. Like, it's just like, she just keeps ripping into him. And uh, then she's like, I need to go to the bathroom. And she's like, guards, take her to the bathroom. Don't let her out of your sight. And then she basically convinces them to let her pee in peace. Like, don't come in the stall with her. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she was able to pick the lock on her handcuffs, stuff a bunch of toilet paper, have the toilet overflow and everything, and then beat their asses when they come to get her. <laughs> and so she frees all the clowns and everything. They're about to get attacked. And then uh, like the big badass guard is like about to attack her, and she's like, uh, "I brought a friend. He's big in the sewers. Maybe you've heard of him." And he goes, "Solomon Grundy." Oh, yeah, this is so dope. He's like her buddy now, basically. Oh, so dope. Good. So he beats a bunch of ass, and then um, Harley's like, "Shit, I need my bat." He took my bat, so she goes to she goes to um to Strange's like wardrobe and stuff, and she's like, "Is." Is that a Grundy plushie? Like a Solomon Grundy plushie? You're not prepared. No matter how prepared you are for how cute this is. So <laughs> I need one immediately. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> this fucking thing. It's her holding it. He's just shaped like a square. Like there, that square right there is him. I, I need to, I need this issue now just so I can have a sample of it. And I, I need to get the shit made too. <laughs> so she does end up stealing it, by the way. <laughs> and uh, she ta- she takes her bat back and everything, and she beats up Hugo and escapes with all the clowns into the sewers. So they get away. Um, then you see Hugo like answering to what appears to be his boss, and we get the last page reveal. Call me keepsake. Ooh. So we'll see what's up with that. So. I'm really digging. I uh, you and me talk about it every time I bring this book up. I'm not a big Harley Quinn fan, but I'm really digging this run. I think it's great. So nice. Um, probably mostly in part two, written by Stephanie Phillips. Yeah, we love her. What's uh, cool that, that she's like writing her? Where like instead of like writing quippy little one liners, like you can just like throw away one liners because like based on how she looks and acts, 
she's a lot smarter than that. She could like, I like how she was like probing him and like saying all these like smart disses. Yeah. And the writing matches the art very well. That's nice. the other thing. So, uh, arts by Riley Rosmo, colored by Ivan Placencia and letter by Ant World. Moving on. Ruby slash Justice League number four. Premium cover. <laughs> nice. Like, yeah, that's Diana in the, in the foreground. So cool. <laughs> so this has actually been really cool. Um, uh, I've, I've liked this series so far, but it's been very much like a, a traditional crossover where it's kind of like, what if these two met? And that's pretty much the crossover. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this one's taking a cool angle. And each issue, we get more and more characters added. In this case, we get uh, Aquaman and uh, Aquaman and I believe Jade Green Lantern. And I'm forgetting somebody off the top of my head. No, it was just Jade, yeah. Um, so basically, Aquaman... Oh, by the way, okay. I'm not fully caught up on the Ruby show, but there mm-hmm. is a ship in Ruby called Bumblebee, which is Yang and Blake. One is blonde one has black hair that's why they call them bumblebee because they're yellow and black um they've never made it canon but this comic is basically saying it's canon like and so it'd be the first canon lgbt couple in that book i think or in that show i think nice um but they're basically like don't look at her like she's like i know why you're looking at her like there's tons of like they're very clearly attracted to each other mm-hmm. and jealous of other people becoming involved <laughs> like arthur is kind of like you're hot and she, she's like uh no basically so um so ruby arthur's cute of course Ooh, yeah yeah so um but yeah basically the justice league and the ruby group team up and uh you know the flash and cyborg join from the last issue and they get attacked by all these mind controlled people so the whole time all these creatures have been mind controlled monsters and now they're friends right and what they do they're wearing masks and when they're attacking them, and Ruby gets lucky and punches the mask off of one of them, and we get the big reveal of who is possessing them. Ah, uh, nice, great, it's great. Starro the Conqueror. Great timing. The water is somewhere. Yeah, it's great. And then that's when Jessica Cruz, or I think yeah, it's Jessica Cruz, not Jade. My bad. Jessica Cruz. Green oh, okay, yes. Up. And they all have to work together to build a big spaceship to fly away and get away. So. Uh, it was pretty cool. I really enjoyed it, and I'm very curious to see where this goes. Um, I'll never not think that Bat Faunus Batman is funny. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. It's just there's only powers echolocation. Excellent. They so, look like Mermaid Man with that starfish on their face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right, and that takes me to yes, I do have more books. <laughs> Infinite <laughs> Frontier number three premium cover so Ooh, cool psycho pirate Ooh, cool. and flash so the last issue ended with the nuclear bomb going off allegedly killing cameron chase when uh captain adam comes to kill himself so uh this one is dealing with a lot more of what's going on um we know that alan scott green lantern and obsidian are looking for jade because she was she was missing after that a big explosion uh we got roy in space with the black lantern ring and he's like he doesn't want to use the ring because when he did a bunch of zombies and shit came out so he's leery about using it um we got the justice incarnate or the the multi multi-dimensional justice league thing they're doing their investigation as to what's happening and we also see that flash 
has been hypnotized by um, Psycho Pirate. And he's just running on a treadmill and doesn't know why. He thinks he's saving everybody, but he's, you know, mm-hmm. it's a trap. So, um, but yeah, a lot of stuff is going on. Uh, and the big thing with this one is we do get the reveal that Chase is still alive. Okay. So whether it's an alternate version of her or not, we're not sure. Um, also, Roy gets picked up by somebody. And they're like, hey, you need help? You need to lift basically in space? And he's like, sure. And he's talking. And then the guy starts uses this like sonic sonar thing and knocks him down. And then he realizes it's Hector Hammond, the Green Lantern's bad guy. And he's about to kill him when he gets saved unexpectedly by... With this title is to believe be believed, Infinite Incorporated. Which consists of Jade, who is missing. Huh, nice. I think it's Adam Smasher in the background. Uh-huh. Uh, Wildcat, female Wildcat. Um, I don't know who that is. Uh, I know I know who he is. I just can't think of it off the top of my head. And then Power Girl in the front. So. Oh no shit! Cool. If this is a new group, I'm I would read this book. So <laughs> especially if Roy joins. So really cool. I'm excited to see what we're gonna get from Infinite Frontier from here. Final solo book. <laughs> I did not pick up Static Two because I didn't know it was out this week. Damn. But I did pick up the other milestone uh, relaunch, which is Icon and Rocket number one. Cool. Yeah, so we can talk about both of those. Um, do, 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 do. Where is the credits? Uh, so Icon and Rocket, for those who don't know, is is a milestone relaunch, and it's kind of a play on the Superman uh, trope for milestone, and which a an alien comes to Earth you know, decides to become a superhero. In this case, he has a spunky sidekick, a la, like, Wolverine and Jubilee, like, their partnership for a while. Kind of mm-hmm. feels like that, if Wolverine was Superman, basically. Okay. So, written by Reginald Hudlin, pencils by Doug Braithwaite, inked by Scott Hanna and Andrew Curry, colored by Brad Anderson, and lettered by Anne World. They do a really cool thing here. So, basically, they do make it so that, yes, he is an alien that came down to Earth, you know, survived his planet exploding. Well, it's actually his ship exploded and everybody on the ship died. And when it, when it landed, it landed, I don't think it gave us a year. Yeah, it did 1843. It landed in a field in Georgia in 1843. Um, mm-hmm. So there were slaves at this point. And um, two slaves are the ones that find it. They touch the ship. The ship reads their DNA, basically, and changes the the alien who normally looks like this. Oh shit! Okay. To look to match with them, so it looks like this. Oh, okay. Little black baby. Yeah. They pick up the baby and run off, and then the the white you know slave owners show up, and they're like, "What the hell happened?" And the black people already left, right? Um, so that's kind of his origin. He's going to be raised by slaves. But they escape, and um, he's actually, you know, raised free and all this stuff. And we skip forward to current times where Rocket, which is his sidekick, she's kind of like on the bad side, or like doing some bad things, get, running with a bad crowd. They want her to break into this house. Now, th- if I remember correctly, this is very, um, this part is very um, close to what happened in the original story. Um, she broke into the, she breaks into the house with them. He catches them. Uh, comes out all sexy like, because of course he's got to come out with his shirt Holy off. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. And he comes out. He's like, "What the fuck you doing?" And then one of the idiots shoots him, 
And he's like, how come there's no blood? And he goes, because I'm not bleeding, which is a pretty badass story. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm down with that line. That's a good line. It is. He, he chases them off. He's like, get your shit together, basically. <laughs> what, what was the actual line? He says, she's like, um, he goes, uh, how'd you get mixed up in this? She goes, I have no idea. He goes, you need to figure it out. Fix your life. <laughs> I was like, God damn, dude. And so she just sits and thinks about it. And then she goes back to him and knocks on the door. And is just like, I need your help. And she basically is like, we could be superheroes, you know, I could be your sidekick and stuff. And she's just like, don't you hate it that there's drug dealers right down the road selling drugs? He's like, yeah, but if they got, if we got rid of them, someone would take their place. She's like, get rid of them too. Basically like, let's just keep doing it. And she's like, don't you want to at least try? So basically you find out that in, cause obviously he's been around for a long time, over a hundred years. There's a woman that looks a lot like her back in 1921. That was basically talking to him and doing the same thing stepping up and he just remembers her and he's like all right let's do this so i lo- I, lo- I really liked this book i remember i remember really liking um icon and rocket the first time around um i actually liked it more than static originally oh nice so um i'm curious to see where it goes all right i get to talk stop talking for a second as hostway tells me about static 2 the other milestone relaunch yes and it's actually the uh, the static book that i maybe want to go and pick up uh, icon and rocket i'll tell you why in a second so Static Season 1, Number 2. This one by Vida Ayala, Chris Cross, and uh, Nicholas Draper Ivy. Draper Ivy. Um, yeah, I don't want to spoil it too much because it does set up a few characters around uh, Static's, uh, Static's life, even his personal life, even in school. But yeah. Oh, and I should mention that Rock and him go to the same school. I, that's already knowledge if that's what you're thinking about. Cool, 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 so. cool, cool. Uh, it wasn't, but almost... Um, so yeah, it, it, this one just deals with the aftermath of like the fucking asshole just like showing up with like the fires and just like literally setting the house on fire. Um, static is able to, to, to contain it using the, the tip that he got from, was it Mr. Metcalf by using like, the electricity to like ionize like the fire and just like put it out right. that way. Yeah. It's, it's really dope. Um, so the house is able to survive mostly. It was literally, they, they were to figure out that like, the fire was all um, like just like just like like there's very little substance. Like it was just like it was like a weak ass fire. But it was just like all just like so all for show. Mostly internal subject would end up surviving. Um, so the family immediately once they were like kind of clear off most of like the debris and the glass out of the way, the family starts hashing it out. And by family, it's just most of the parents. And the two parents are just like, all at odds and like. Yo, he should, like the mom was like he should go back to like the doctors. It's all because of that gas. Like literally, like like every, he could get worse. And the dad's like, no, like my son's not going to be another fucking guinea pig. Like just for them. Like if anything, he's the one that saved us. Like why would we do that? And instead of like letting like the kids, in particular, static, get a word in, they're just like, kids, just go to your fucking rooms. Like we're 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 the ones dealing with this. The adults are talking. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so they go, and static is just like listening to the whole conversation, like from his room, and you just like get you just get to like, just also like listen in. But the one part where he's like, he was reflecting back on like the smoke from like that literally just happened, and um, and one of the parents goes, see how people talk about icon not safe not safe to be out like that i'm like oh fuck like they're even just like they're still just like almost like connecting to like they're like acknowledging how just like both sides almost like deal with just like still with all the bigotry and and bullshit that it's just like it's yeah it wouldn't be safe for a kid like static like for virgil to be out there like that and especially when his powers are just developing so they're just like going at it 
and it just paint and then it just cuts to like the rest of his personal life and just like stuff that just isn't really clicking with him there's an old friend like darius is just like just trying to since like word got out that his house on fire he literally starts like getting in a space with like a camera being like hey it's for the vlog like what happened and just like yo there's a reason why you why you don't come over anymore because you started staying away because you wanted to do that so it's kind of like no you're not going to come in closer now uh, so he's he's still really pissed, so he's, but at the same time, he's not really realizing how he's antagonizing others by just being seclu- secluding himself. Uh, but then, like the really cool part is that he gets a call by yeah by Mister Metcalf again and being like, "Hey, go to the storage before the cops show up because they're they're onto me," and just clean out before yeah before they get there. So he shows up, and I think this is where he finds like all of his gear. He opens like this pod, and you don't see much, but you do see some sunglasses, some suits over here. And he starts like opening cases, and he, and he starts like detailing like how this stuff would work, work would work out for him when the cops show up. So he's like, "Oh shit! How he's how he's gonna get away? How he's gonna use his powers to not endanger anybody else while using his powers?" So I'm excited for the next issue. Nice. Okay. And tell me about Wonder Woman seven seventy six. Yes, Wonder Woman seven seventy six. This one. Oh shit! I'm actually on the page no fuck i'm on the page on the second story never mind so this one uh the one about wonder woman diana going through the realms and the art ever changing so i really like this touch where the hell is the creative team still by becky and oh my god well that's how there it is after worlds part seven written by michael w conrad and becky becky clunan art by jill thompson um yeah for the first part and then pencils and inks for Becca Clunan for, I guess, the remainder of it. Colors by Jetty Belair and letters by Pat Brazo. So, she was at Olympus. Everything had gone to shit because of Janice, who had taken her place, on this case, her image. And with the anti-sequel, basically, she was killing every god that's going from realm to realm. And the next place that she's going, she said she went to, it's Elfheim. Elfheim? Yeah. And so art changed and she's like actually really really dope the middle part is actually all feathered like Mm -hmm. and it's like going into like with her with her color scheme she has like the antlers for like the tiara or these mini antlers for the tiara is very renaissance like i i really really fucking liked it (laughs) and ratatosk of course is there the little squirrel back from fucking asgard he's still roaming around with her of course the first thing they see is just a giant table banquet gorgeous like delicious looking food Diana's a little cautious. Ratatosk Squirrel is not. So he goes immediately for the pie and gets cursed into becoming a little boy. And he's just like, oh, no, I'm ugly. (laughs) (laughs) And the whole time he's just like, I miss my tail. Um, So it's really interesting. They're going to another Norse mythology world. Right. In a different setting, too. It's just like, I I like how they're exploring Diana just like in these different aspects, even though she's still dropping like, yo, this, she's still dropping Olympus and like all these other places around, not just keeping it confined, especially because well, we'll get to him in a second. Um, But elves show up, some dark elves show up and be like, Hey, yo, it's you. How the fuck did you get out? You need to go back to prison. And she's like, no, wait, give me a second. Like, just don't want to listen to her. They take Ratatosk because they think he's a boy. They, They separate her and they put him in the cell with other children who are just kind of, I think they're, they're just making it work for them. And Diana is just sent up to the top of the tower where the other one was supposed to be. She has a really cool conversation through a puddle because it's elf magic and this world is a little weirder. 
there's a puddle and she was able to have a conversation with dead man. Cause it's like, that's like her only ally in this book. And I just, I fucking love that about this book. Yeah. And because the art is different, this is arguably one of my favorite designs of dead man. Like he's actually dead. Oh, that's cool. Like, it's just such a cool design of him. Oh, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, he's just so super fucking cool in this in this shot, and he's just like, like he's just basically saying like, oh, like yo, this this line is like the tether is kind of like choppy, um, so I can only I can only um help so much. And enter as he's as he's warning her that this place is is hella fucking weird. Our boy, our wonderful, beautiful. From volume one, gorgeous ass face, Siegfried shows up. And I'm thinking, yeah, this might not be real Siegfried because we're in elf world, but I'm really hoping it is. So he starts adventuring with her and in hopes of finding Ratatosk because at the very least he knows her too. Um, so as an ally, they go after like the elves to try to get a word. Yeah to try to get a word in that she's like, yo, that wasn't me. It's another person that's pretending to be me. If you just give me a chance, I'll go and get it. And Diana is able to get a, Diana is able to get a, a loophole right. in. Um, so in order to be able to get away. Um, and in this case, to finally, cl- uh, to close off this issue on this part, she, um, She's gonna have to separate, separate, have to uh, go this, uh, her separate ways from Siegfried. And Siegfried is like, "Nah, babe, I'm here to fucking stay. I need to, I need to seek this adventure out with you." And of course, because like Radadog is gonna join, why not just have two of the Asgardian people on here and two of the best characters that the guy introduced from the series? So the fairies are able to let Diana, Siegfried, and Radatos go uh, instead of killing them. And of course, they go through a little portal through crawling through a, a tree. And now they finally entered the DC, the DCU. <laughs> She's, she goes through a tree. And so it checks out. See how the art is just like a fairy tale, how she looks. And they go through the tree and they come out through a subway. And now she's all modernized or now kind of modern. But I do like how she looks if this is, if this is a, the take we're, we're going with in her being in the actual DCU. Yeah, I'm excited how she's like rotating around. Like we weren't here for long. Mostly because she wasn't fucking welcome there before she just like ruined everything. Uh, yeah, you know what, Diana, the Warrior Wonder Woman, maybe she didn't linger around too much in an, in a pretty elf uh, fairy world. Uh, so yeah, so now she's back in the DCU, and yeah, I'm excited to see where she's gonna go because only part eight, uh, part seven, and I'm hoping it's just not an uh, eight part series, but more of a twelve part like Afterworld, like full Wonder Woman story to kind of like to just like get get it going from here on now, and like this is what we're dealing with because. It, we're still only it's basically this is basically the first arc this is still basically the first story coming back from future state starting infinite frontier wonder woman was like the big the big piece driving the whole thing so she's still literally lost in her own world like i, I realized in seven issues in that only and only because there's two issues going on in that one diana still has no idea of everybody freaking out about um yara so I'm, I'm really curious how she's going to be able to, how she's going to deal with or what her two cents on it, or if she even knows what the big deal is. So man, yeah, I'm excited for these two wonder women to actually finally meet. Nice. All right. All right. Let's move on to our next book for DC Robin number four. Um, <laughs> so creative team written by Joshua Williamson. I know this without even looking, I'm looking while I'm talking. Um, 
because he's doing great work in DC. It's at the back, isn't it? Stupid. No, it's in the front. It's uh, flip two pages. It's with Ra's al Ghul on top oh, of the yeah, boulder. Yeah, yeah, okay. There it is. Uh, written by Josh Williamson, drawn, drawn by uh, George Corona, colored by Luis Guerrero, and lettered by Troy Pateri. Uh, so this might be my cover of the week. Oh, really? Oh, you got the uh, the variant. Let me see it. Oh, okay, that's sick as fuck. Yeah. That okay, that's a cool oh, one. This is the best. So yeah. So we open up with the manga that Damien's been reading, which I thought was funny. Um, <laughs> it's just a great touch about this. Um, so in the last issue, Connor threw Damien off a cliff. Didn't kill him, just hurt him a bunch. And mm-hmm. Damien ended up getting saved um, and taken to Rachel Gould, his grandfather. And Rachel Gould's all like, I'm a pacifist now. I do the right, you know, I'm doing the right <laughs> thing. And he's like, fuck you. I'm going to attack you, basically. <laughs> Um, so Damien kind of has to deal with his shit, and we see a bit more from the other people on the on the the island. And one of the keys is the tournament can't actually start until everybody dies once. Mm-hmm. And Ravager was the last one to die, and uh, she ends up getting killed and betrayed by Respawn, the guy who looks like her dad, basically. <laughs> so that's yeah. awkward. Um, but Damien and Raish have their little moment and they, they have a talk and Damien's like, I need to get back because of the tournament. And in the end, uh, Damien is on his way back, but makes a stop off in Corto Maltese and Ravager. We found out Ravager made a communication off Island and she called in the cavalry, which is the entire bat family, except for Bruce, because Bruce can't be fucked to do this. Um, so, but you know how he was seconds away from being uh, there Dick, for yeah, for Dick. Yeah. <laughs> so we get we get Dick Grayson. We even get Jason, which is great because I always I always love Jason yeah. and, and Damien together. They're great. We get Stephanie. We get Tim. No Barbara, but I'm sure she's on the comms. So, dude, okay, not gonna lie. Tim looks actually pretty cool like that. That that, that pose is cool. For oh Tim. yeah, I mean Tim's always drawn to be cool. Tim's the coolest person on the planet. <laughs> No one's as good as Tim Drake. Only because the way they drew Dick was just like, almost like he doesn't have eyebrows. I was supposed to be under the mask, but he just, okay, the forehead is just too big. It's almost like Joel McHale is being Nightwing right now. (laughs) But pretty cool. Setting up the tournament. I'm curious to see if they're going to try to stop him from going back and what that means, you know? Mm, Oh, yeah, because he has to fucking murder. (laughs) That leads us to our last DC book, which is Teen Titans Academy number five. I loved this issue so much. I have to go with this one. Good, I did too. It's so good, right? You did, okay. (laughs) Uh, Written by Tim Sheridan, drawn by Steve Lieber, colored by Dave Stewart, and lettered by Rob Lay. Once again, deluxe cover. Uh, So, we just saw during the investigation into who is Red X, we saw the Bat Pack. Well, now we get the origin of the Bat Pack. (laughs) And, um, I think it's really interesting. Um, that basically they all started as orphans living in a home for children. Um, and we find out that the guy running it is selling the kids to a doctor to experiment on. And um, Diego, the the guy that's talking way too much, the Chupacabra, as we know him. Chupacabra. He basically lies and says he is, um, he is Lucas because they were going to take his buddy Lucas. He lies and he goes with him. And they, they basically track him down. 
it's it's a typical origin story. Bad guy experiments on good, on innocent person gives them powers. Really cool. Nightwing ends up saving them, and uh, he's like, you know, you guys, you're a team, and you're so good. And he talks about how great they are at this, and how they're smart enough to let uh, Jim Gordon know what's going on, so they can you know, do this. And he's like, how'd you like to join Teen Titans Academy? And then we cut to the Teen Titans Academy, and then that's where Red X has been talking to them. He's basically like, well, what's your origin? They tell him. And he reveals his face to them, not to us. Stupid fuck. <laughs> Bastard. And he's just like, I want you to join my team. <laughs> fuck Dick Grayson, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then he's like, he'll be here in a minute. And they're like, what? Red X leaves. Nick Dick pops in and he's like, hey, you guys are missing it. And what it was is it's a fireworks show on the roof because they've passed the first term of, of school. So the, This is the quickest term ever. I, know, I was looking at that too. I was like, I was like, okay. I mean, we, we saw like, we, two like we barely <laughs> like we only explored the students. Like, give us more of the school to call it a yeah. term. Uh, but I mean, okay. I like to fucking like yeah. Like the origin story was cool. Hard work does fucking pay off. Like mega bad. Seeing like the scrawny kid that was just, like pumping the the whole time since like all yeah. back then, and then now he's like yeah, he's fucking mega bad, dude. He's yeah. awesome. And I like the fact they point out kind of the three of them together are they basically equal Batman. <laughs> like he's strong. Yes. She's a genius and he's the best detective. Like that's Batman. <laughs> yeah. So, but this is really good. I'm really enjoying teen Titans Academy. Uh, God, I want to know who red X is. Damn it. <laughs> Me too. Especially because like he chose of, of everyone to just reveal it to these kids just because like, yeah, they rubbed off on him really, like, really well, but damn it. Like I want to know too. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that takes us to our last publisher. As always, we're going to end with Marvel. Osway, talk to me about Amazing Spider-Man. Dude, okay, again, starting with the cover, did you even see the variant to this one? I didn't see the variant, I saw the A. It's the piece from it's from Oko's turn to make the Spider-Man variant. Show me. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have to go back out there because it's like literally the best ever. Oh my god. Dude, yeah, it's like it's like as soon as I got it, because like I usually go for, like my shop tends to give me the variants most of the time, and so I have to go back there and like and swap them out. But this time, as soon as it popped out, and it's like you were my first thought, and like of course he's gonna get this this week. I can't wait to talk about it with him this week because how could he not? How could he miss this one? Like, you know, she did an amazing okay, job with. Okay, yeah, no, it's it's fucking awesome. I'll get it this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I, I really hope you do. So uh, this is a uh, Spider Man's. Since the last one was a, the prologue to Sinister War, this is actually Amazing Spider-Man Sinister War tie-in part one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's basically just going after... It's mostly through the perspective of Kindred and just kind of staying on the table on how everything kind of played out. It's just, again, it's just like in the middle of like the whole clusterfuck. Um, it still doesn't explain if it's two Harry's, per, like two different... It's that's still in the air. That's still in the air. Even the the prologue is like it still doesn't answer like who's in the cell next to Carly Cooper. Even and even though Kindred is not really hiding from like saying some hairy facts, um, but yeah, this one's just like playing mostly catch up on like kind of where he's been and how he, how he plotted um, everybody coming together. Really, it's just like it's just really mostly like a, a exposition on how he was able to kind of pull this off. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be a, a big, a big one. Uh, I really don't want to like get too deep into this one because it's just like we haven't, we didn't even touch on any of the like the Sinister Six people. It's just mostly um, 
Kindred running it through Mysterio, and in the end, Mysterio uh, fucking. I don't say he backstabs MJ because like they were kind of partnering up, but he basically leaves MJ uh, with, with Kindred, and now they're gonna hash it out in the next mm. issue or the next part. The next part being Sinister War. So yeah, I expect them to be together out of nowhere. Nice. All right, uh, I'm gonna go through my solos. Mm-hmm. Star Wars: War of the Bounty Hunters. Star Wars number fifteen, um, written by Charles Soule, drawn by Ramon Rosanas, colored by Rochelle Rosenberg, lettered by Clayton Cowles. Uh, most of this one is actually only tangentially related to the War of the Bounty Hunters. So you have um, Starlight Squadron, which is like the group that Wedge and Luke are in. They're like this legendary squadron during the second half of this war, you know. And they're going around kicking ass. And they're getting a distress signal from this this one planet. They fly over there and they're like, we're not sure who's even here. And part of them are like, is it worth sending our best over there to try to save these people that might not be... You know, anybody left. They show up. They have seven, basically seven X-Wings is all they really have. And they show up and there's a fucking Star Destroyer there with a bunch of, like, smaller ships. But they're like, we're going to win. So they just keep shooting all the smaller ships down. They're like, we don't know how we're going to take down the Star Destroyer. Somebody on the ground was talking about how the ground is is really, um, like, not stable. So they send them coordinates, and, and they're not able to tell them what to do, just to shoot there. That's all they get to hold them, and their signal gets cut off. And I like, guess we're going to do it. They fly down there, they shoot it. It causes a dormant volcano to go off and underneath <laughs> the Star Destroyer and does this to it. Oh, so badass. Yeah, I want to see that in the movies really badly. Yeah. How about like natural disasters fuck with the ships? Like that'd be dope as fuck. <laughs> so they, they rescue the base and they're like, we're not even sure who's here or anything like that. And then they get a message, a voicemail like, thank you so much. We appreciate the assist. And they find out they just saved Mod Mothma, that she was there the entire time. So it was really cool. And then tying back into the War of the Bounty Hunters is literally one page where it's, it's uh, Boba confronting Leia, uh, Chewie oh. and Lando. And that's pretty much it. It doesn't nice. really do advance it anymore, basically. So, Which leaves us to Star Wars The High Republic number seven. I got this variant cover because I love these Star Wars figure oh, the, covers. The figure. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. And I love Keith. She's great. So, Written by Kevin Scott, drawn by George's Junty, inked by Carl Story, colored by Annalisa Leone, and, le- and lettered by Ariana Mayer. So basically, she's dealing with the fact that she did help the Jedi in finding these, you know, these plant people that are trying to take over the universe. But she kind of took a risk, and she's realizing she stepped too close to the darkness and is kind of, like, dealing with the fact she has to, you know, handle that in her life now. Um, Mm -hmm. She is sent on a very small mission because it's safe for her to do so. She's not fighting the, the plant people, though. She's fighting these dudes. She gets knocked down, and then she gets saved by this person. Oh, yeah, sick! He's just white, white. That's dope. And she basically asks about, um, asks basically who she is, and she asks, uh, "Which temple do you belong to?" And they say, "None." That's the thing about wayseekers. We go where the force leads us, and the force led me to come here. And she's like, oh, to stop them? And she's like, no, to find a Jedi that's in danger of losing herself. So, Aww. yeah, so this is kind of like a like a wandering monk-type Jedi. 
That's yeah, dope. It's a really cool idea. So I'm really liking this book. is really good. I love the High Republic stuff. So, all right. Next up, the Mighty Valkyries number four. Uh, this book is so funny. Uh, written by Jason Aaron, Torn Gronbeck, uh, drawn by Erica Durso and Mattia Diolus, De- uh, coloring by Marcio Meniz, lettering by Joe Sabino. So this is the one that's taking place between. Uh, Jane and Runa. They're separate stories, but they're starting to overlap. The main thing is is that we know that Carnilla, the wife of Hela, stole these three babies from a pregnant woman, and she's basically trying to make them into her own pantheon of gods, is what it is. So, Hela is not happy about that, obviously. Um, so, Runa shows up at Jane's place, and she's like, hey, Jane, we met once, basically. And uh, Jane's talking to one of her friends, Lisa, who is who is a lesbian, which is, has a great moment. She's like, you're a Valkyrie, too? She's like, sort of. She's like, so you're a superhero? She's like, I guess you can say that. She goes, oh, that's too bad. And she goes to leave. And she's like, it was nice to meet you. She's like, did I say something wrong? She's like, she doesn't date superheroes. She's like, Lisa, I'm not super and most certainly not a hero. I'm a mess, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah, that was great. And then... um. Yeah, so basically it's dealing with the with the the children in hell and then we're dealing with the fact that Runa is quote going back to the going back to Asgard for the first time in centuries. Oh shit, nice. And so Sif is talking to Thor and she's like, "Listen." She's like, "I need basically they were he was having a drinking competition with Volkstag. She's like, "Listen, a Valkyrie's on the way." She's like, "Oh, Lady Jane's coming." She's like, "No, one from before your time, one of the original nine. And he's like, impossible, they're all dead. He's like, if she claims, and Sif is like, she does not claim anything. She is what she says. She carries Jarnbjorn, the, the axe, right, that Thor used mm-hmm. to wield. And Thor is like, then yeah. she's the thief. And he's just like, <laughs> she's like, no, he's not. This is what I'm telling you now. I want you to get all this silliness out of your system. Basically, like, and so uh, she shows up and Thor is kind of on his best behavior, and they end up having a drinking competition with Volstagg, the three of them. And they nice. do this passive-aggressive thing that's so great. Where he, oh, that's good, because it was kind of a dick to Volstagg in the last issue. Yeah, yeah. But he like they do this passive-aggressive thing back and forth, where Thor is like, it was certainly noble of you to come here and to ask my leave to wield Yarnborn. I'll happily <laughs> grant it to you. More drinks! And she's like, why would I ask permission to wield my own axe? He's like, yes, that's the spirit. I'm sure we'll make it your own in no time. <laughs> It shouldn't be hard since it is mine. He's like, exactly. As I said, you have my leave. <laughs> like, you just keep going like that. It's really great. This motherfucker. Oh, no, I, I really fuck. I, I, I love that so yeah. much. If she's one of the originals, and like, I forget how exactly they painted her because it was more like an, a forgotten, long lost realm. Would she know Angela? I don't think Angela was one of the original nine. Not original nine, but she was part of the 10th realm that was around like way the fuck Maybe. back when maybe we'll have to see so but um and then we get this thing where jane has to go um go do something and she she's with more the dragon or the the wolf dude and she's mm-hmm. just like you know she's trying to talk to him about humanity and who humanity is and what they're like and whether they're worth it or not and then he's just like she has to go to hell because she found the kids that are missing and more's just sitting there by himself and he starts to think about like he reaches into this lady's mind and he's like, she's, she has so much pain, but she has love. And you see him start to turn 
And that's when Craven stabs him from behind with an enchanted spear through the chest. Oh no shit. Ooh, fucking Craven. It's interesting how they're they're putting him him up against fucking Valkyries. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Um so uh so yeah, and then basically the the issue just kind of wraps up with a lot of stuff going on. And it's just it's just so cool. It's all coming together, all these little bits they've been putting together. Um including Runa going to the Library of Asgard, reading some uh reading some additional information about what Kavasir told her. Um and Hella, you know, confronting Carnilla about what she did and the the whole plane is like shaking to death and everything and she's trying to figure out exactly what happened and um so so at the end um hella basically hell is not obeying hella and a voice comes out of nowhere and says hella you have been weighed you have been measured and you have been found wanting and we get this dope ass skeleton what that comes out of the ground so 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 cool so Good, dope and design. The next yeah. issue is the last issue, by the way. Okay. So very curious to see where that ends up. It's interesting how it went from one mini to another mini. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next up, uh, the only cover that was in competition for me for the best cover of the week Black <laughs> Widow number nine. This cover is great. Like, yeah. Ooh. Like, Eisner winner. Yeah. So, series. yeah, I want, to, I want to start with that. Thank you. Uh, congratulations to the creative team for Black Widow. Um, yes, fully deserving. I'm 100% aboard on this book. Uh, so Kelly and everybody else that works on it, you guys are doing an amazing job. Keep it up. So for best new series, right? Uh, yes. Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, compared, I mean, it was competing with some like great fucking cool. books. Again, like I love how Department of Truth was actually calling out. I was like, Hey, we were nominated too, <laughs> but it's like, nah, bitch, like better book yeah. one, but still go both great yeah. stuff. So written by Kelly Thompson, pencil by Elena Casagrande and Rafael De La Torre. Uh, inked by Elizabeth D'Amico and Rafael De La Torre. Color by Jordi Belair and letter by Corey Petit. So this is continuing the story with uh, Natasha and Yelena in um, San Francisco doing their thing. Uh, now Arania is with them, Anya Corazon. And they got this other girl that has electricity powers, but basically the bad guy is creating these people with powers. This girl with electricity is one of them. She joined them. But every time she uses her powers, there's a chance she could basically overload and die. That's happening to these Hmm. people. Um, One of the things I always praise this book for, and I tell people you need to read this because the action is just fucking great. It's like some of the best drawn martial arts action. This two-page spread, dude, is so good. So I'm going to hold it up for you. It's her doing one spin kick and taking out a bunch of guys in the background if you see them. Okay, that's so... You see the first panel? It's her ready for it. And then she does it. And, and it's just going it's around. Back. She just clears out everything around her. Oh, and I love the pose where it's just like the other way where how she would yeah, land. Exactly. Yeah, so. that's really cool. Uh, but yeah, it's really cool. Also, you watched the Black Widow movie, right? Absolutely. I'm starting to read Yelena's voice in Lawrence <laughs> voice from them. And it makes, As, it makes yeah. the comic even better. Like where she says something like, I hope you didn't have a heavy lunch. She's like, even better. I had no lunch today. <laughs> like, <and she's> like, <laughs> Just like little, like she's very snippy and clippy. Like they put her in a hospital bed because she's hurt. And she's like, I do not need this fancy bed. I hate it, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so, um, but in the end, they recruit one of the, the one of the guys that helped create these powers to help them stop it. So, 
yeah, pretty cool. And uh, I'm excited. I, I really love this Black Widow book. It's so great. Totally underrated. Next up, our second of three black-themed Marvel books. This happened yet again this month. Black Cat number eight. <laughs> Written by Jed McKay. Drawn by C.F. Villa. Uh, colored by Brian Reber. Letter by Farron Delgado. Okay, so Felicia's done with her previous thing. And now she has a shiny new mark, as they put it. And most of this issue is just... Okay, I'm sorry. Just the art of this this title is fucking beautiful. I absolutely it is. love it. It really is. Um, she's depressed because of what happened with Black Fox and everything. And she um, she has a new mission where she's going to steal something. And so her crew does their thing. They knock out the power and everything. She breaks into this vault. She breaks into a storage container in this warehouse. And inside is Nick Fury. Ooh, and nice. he's like, I can't let you do this. You need to not do this. And she's like, I'm doing what I'm going to do. And then she's like, Bruno, reel us in, which is her, her psychic dude. And he uses a crane to pull up the thing, which causes Nick to fall out of it. She's like, later, bitch, basically. <laughs> um, he runs, jumps, gets back in there and starts shooting at her, like like shooting to kill, which is interesting. He's yeah. just kind of like, no, you don't understand what you're doing and all this stuff. They have a little confrontation. She ends up winning because she drops him out, out of it. And they basically find a metal coffin. And they open up the metal coffin. And it's Star. Oh, now, okay. the name of this, I intentionally did not mention the name of this crossover, is Infinity Score. Oh. She's doing ooh. the Infinity Gems. Because, of course, she would. And we've been seeing the... In the annuals, the backstory at the end with who has the Infinity Gems, Star is one of them. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, that's really cool. I'm really interested on how, like, the direction they, they went with um, Nick Fury's costume based on another book that we'll be talking about in a second. Because, like, I didn't, I didn't think they were going to re- repeat in that sense. Yeah. But we'll get, I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate later. Well, let's start talking about our mutual books. And we are going to start with Better Ray Bill number five. Postway, oh, please read the creative team for me because I don't have my copy in front of me. Yes, well, it's not going to be that hard because <laughs> this book was written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson with uh, Mike Spicer as a color uh, artist uh, with the coloring assist, probably, and George Sabino with Johnson for lettering. Nice. So, um, this is the final issue of the mini. And. Uh, Better Ray Bill's been trying to get a weapon so he can transform back to his normal self. He's been accompanied by Scourge and Pip and Scuttlebutt. And he finally so is good. confronting Surtur, the one who's destroyed his entire family, or entire planet even. And it comes down to a fight between them. He convinces Surtur to shrink down to his size to fight like mortals, basically, <laughs> which is the dumbest thing Surtur's ever done, by the way. <laughs> so, um, and they just have an awesome fist fight. It's great. So badass, like not it's it's not your fight scene that you would expect from a Thor book. Maybe okay, exactly from our Beta Ray Bill book. But when you when you think like Marvel mysticism, Marvel cosmos, you don't picture like close combat MMA, kickboxing, like wrestling moves and badass ones, like ones that you can feel the bone crunching, like like 
and not by a hammer swinging. It's like these kicks, these knees, these uppercut knees to the chin that are like are so real, so raw. Such a badass book. The, um, Danny Warren Johnson is a wrestling fan. I know it for a fact. Oh, I can definitely. I, in the last book when when Beta Ray Bill did like the the wind up oh, yeah. like clothesline it's a, it's a, punch from it's a it's the Rainmaker clothesline from uh, uh, yeah Okada in New Japan Wrestling by the way. Oh. And in this one, like the actual authentic like, kick, like, what a great kickboxing visual move was when Surter's getting like those two like block punches, and then he gets the uppercut and then jumps to knee Beta Ray Bill like uh, like up the chin like a double hit like that. It's, it's such a badass page. Like I'd get that shit in a poster and it's my hero losing because like, it's just such a cool yeah, scene. Great. So meanwhile, Pip shows up to help. <laughs> Surter punches through his chest, but then discovers a bunch of bombs on his arm and blows off, blows off Surter's <laughs> arm. It's not even a punch. It's like, it's like yeah. he literally like impales like a straight hand through. It's just a oh, poor guy. So Pip's bleeding out. Meanwhile, Scuttlebutt, Scourge is like, let's go fight. And Scuttlebutt's like, no, I need your help. I need something only you can do. <laughs> and so Scuttlebutt completely reforms her ship, that gigantic spaceship, into a gun. <laughs> it, it, it literally, it's a page turn, and you have to yeah, go horizontal. So and it's the coolest fucking and gun. And the easiest trigger for Scourge. Scourge to cry, basically. <laughs> and he says, thank you, which I thought was great. <laughs> don't thank me just shoot the fire demon and it's like and again like you get like it's page turn then you come back normal page turn and you have to go back to horizontal to see this baby shoot and what it does to surter and then again it's it's just like more of a, of a cartoonish type of blast but like that cool one that'll just make you go like whoa like the damage the implication that this thing can fucking do especially how it leaves surter it's just like fuck yeah <laughs> So, in the end, Bill is able to claim the blade. Yes. And I was worried about what would happen if he got the blade. Like, mm -hmm. would he do what he needed? Is it evil? Would he want to wield the weapon of his enemy? You know. But that doesn't seem to be as much of an issue, at least not yet. He wields it. He's able to transform back into his normal self. Um, they're using whatever power they have to keep Pip alive, basically. <laughs> and um, yeah. they're like, I don't know how we're going to get out of here. And that's when the Valkyries show up and they're like, hey, Scourge's mission's done. They're like, can we get a lift? And like, yeah, sure. So they, they tow them out of, out of Surge's <laughs> realm and they're out. And that's kind of where we're left off. Scourge goes back to the afterlife. Pip is reco in recovery. He like did a really good job. And yeah, that's where we're left off. And now Better Bill doesn't seem fully satisfied i guess is the way to put it yeah something's still lingering inside him uh right before that last page though i really love that there's like the lack of words is uh is because uh hook is playing in the background yeah and that's like it's all that's needed to be said for that for that moment between him and and scuttlebutt like so good like they're playing hook in space like fuck yeah. yes really good book i really enjoyed this mini it's excellent pick up the pick up the tray when it comes out guys you're oh absolutely or better Ray bill fan pick it up it's wonderful mm -hmm. so all right next up the united states of cap america or otherwise known as the usa yes. FCA. um <laughs> number two so this one's written by christopher cantwell the backup story written by mohali mashigo uh, art is by Dale Eaglesham, with the backup story being done by Natasha Bustos. 
um, coloring done by Matt Mia and lettering by Joe Caramagna. Uh, so as we know, Falcon uh, and Steve are just bombing around trying to find Steve's shield that was stolen from him. And I had this thought actually before this issue came out. I'll tell you what it is in a minute. Uh, but I saw okay. this coming, this one thing, because I think it's just wishful thinking on my part, but we'll talk about it. Basically, uh, they're going around meeting all these other people claiming the title of Captain America, basically. And mm-hmm. the one in uh, this one is actually in Pennsylvania. And they're basically trying to make sure that people get f- safe water, which is a problem in Pennsylvania as well as, you know, Michigan gets a lot of the, the press for it, but it is a problem for a lot of places. So um, they get there, they find out that this young woman who's claiming herself to be Captain America as well has been arrested for it. Uh, Nichelle Wright. And they're like, yeah, she did it, which doesn't really fit the MO, MO you know, like it doesn't really make sense. So they go and they check out the pipe and it has been busted by Steve's shield. They're able to tell that. And then suddenly they get attacked by evil Captain America who stole the shield. And um, then they also get assisted or they get attacked by uh, the female like leader of the, the evil Captain America. This is where my mm-hmm. where my guess was. I predicted who this was going to be, by the way. Oh, okay. Because so, I'm obsessed with that character, and I'm just looking for them to come back at any point. So, <laughs> anyways, um, we do we have this great story about corrupt cops blaming shit on you know people of color just because they can because it's convenient. Uh, but but uh, Falcon and Steve bust her out of the uh, out of the police station. I absolutely love her costume. Um, oh, dude! Hell I yes. Love- single-legged tights for some reason. I don't know. If okay. Really Very 90s. It's just cool as hell to me. So, um, I, I like, I mean, like the trench coat is cool, but I love like the mask and then a, a hoodie over it. Cause I'm just like a sucker for like a sweater and then like a jacket over it. So this, yeah, this look is just so badass. Like the color of her dreads are awesome. Like yeah, a great, great design. Also her shield, the extra blue instead of the extra red. I really like that yeah, touch. Definitely. So, um, but yeah, they basically free her. We get in the backup story. We get some more about what happens to her after that. So that's really cool. Yeah. Um, but the big reveal is we find out that the fake cap is Speed Demon. Mm-hmm. Didn't see that one coming. But right, his leader, the one ordering him around, is the Red Skull's daughter, Sin. I yes. love Sin. That Brubaker run see, of Captain I- America when she was in it. Oh, that's the best. Oh no, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like following that, like, following that story through, I didn't. I would have seen it coming. Just literally, just based on the hair, I would have been like, okay. But I, I don't remember when she came back. Cause literally, the last thing I remember from her is uh, uh, Fear itself when she became like the next Red Skull, and her face was yeah, all exactly. fucked up. So I don't remember when she got like just normal again. Yeah, <laughs> We're all pretty again. I don't remember anything she's done since then. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my thing I wanted to touch back on was um, Cap Soup. I because I read this one, I didn't read um, the what, what did you just read? Uh, Black Cat, Black Cat. Yeah, um, I fucking love the Super Soldier suit. Like this, I mean that's that's what I call it. Though. That's what they call it in the Hero Age because somebody else was Cap. Uh, but this one's like the Super Soldier suit, and I love that he's just like not really taking the Cap mantle, really, even though they are Cap next to Sam's Cap. So I love that they're just like branching with the suits. So I was just like curious how or why they go with Nick Fury donning also the super soldier suit where maybe they could have changed this cap for the regular cap suit since we're then actual branching all the cap suits. So yeah, it just becomes a little conundrum. 
the next thing though is that i really wonder if the right will how how they're gonna spin this this one this time because last time was like oh captain america doesn't believe in the american dream when they completely misread the page and i'm really wondering if this week we'll just be seeing captain america pissing uh gettysburg captain america <laughs> against police captain america hates the police like <laughs> captain america wants pissed in gettysburg bad yeah. guy <laughs> all right let's move on to our next book shang chi number three Yes. Written by the three-time Eisner winner. Two champ. Congratulations to Gene Lewin Yang. Uh, drawn by Dyke Ron, colored by Toronto Farrell, and letter by Travis Lanham. Um, so as, as has been happening throughout the series, it's Shang-Chi working with the Five Weapons Society and running into random people from the Marvel Universe. In this issue, it's Wolverine. Uh, <laughs> we meet one of Shang-Chi's new or his newest sibling that they just discovered. Yeah. The Lake Witch. And it turns out she doesn't use like a physical weapon. She uses a flute. And of course she turns out to be a mutant, which necessitates yes. Wolverine showing up. So Shang-Chi's like, join us in the weapon society. And Wolverine's like, Hey, you can come to Krakoa if you want. And of course heroes come together. They get into a fight. And they get into a really cool fight. I love Shang-Chi and Wolverine fighting. It's a cool idea. Because mm-hmm. Wolverine does have the martial arts training, but obviously Shang-Chi is the best fighter ever. So, um, yeah. But basically, uh, she has to make the decision in the end of where she wants to go. Also, Shang-Chi ends up saving Wolverine, even though Wolverine made a point, hey, I would have healed, but thanks. Uh, so, mm-hmm. And then in the end, she agrees to go with, uh, with Shang-Chi and becomes the new sister staff. Um, so that's really cool. I dig that idea. And the others didn't want her to go because she's a mutant. They're basically racist against me. Yeah. It got hella little like, what are we really saying here? Yeah. <laughs> but it was just more like, yeah, they're passed down this type of uh, belief. And now they're really kind of, they're going to have to work around that. And it really, they fucking have to better fucking yeah. try. And then the at least it's her dagger since she's younger she's like more open-minded yeah. to it but fucking saber is just more like there's some history there i'm like oh brother please yeah. and then the mysterious person that keeps going to every single person we talk to and trying to turn them against shang chi makes another appearance so mm-hmm. curious um the next issue is going to be shang chi versus the fantastic four. Oh yeah I'm, which is cool because now there's four people on shang chi's side no, that's true. We can actually bring the whole family for the trip. Every every single time, it's yeah. like been like it's single trips, which is cool to get to know them. It's got, yeah, it's trying to drive them back. fighting the four, the four of them, four one four. Nice. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited about that. So, if anything, just because like for that one, I'm excited just for Dyke Ruan. Oh, yeah. Like again, like a favorite of ours from like indie comics, and to actually make it to one of the big two, and then having to draw a big ass property. Yeah, him doing Cap last issue, Mwah. awesome. But this reveal of Wolverine. So so yeah. cool, fucking Dagruan! Like, oh my god! Um, and another thing I, I loved about this issue was actually answering the question. It's like, yo, it's the it's the five deadly weapons. And last I remember, the sister staff died, right? The bald one from the big arc, you know. So I was like, we got to replace that. So really cool. It's really cool how they answered it in this mm-hmm. issue. Yeah, definitely. All right, we lost another series this week that oh. ended in such a great way Black Ooh. Knight Curse of the Ebony Blade number 5 <laughs> I 
Uh, here we go. Written by Cy Sperger and Sergio Devia. Inked by Sean Parsons. Colored by Reef Prianto. And lettered by Corey Petit. So we saw in the last issue, Dane gave up the sword. And if he's not holding the sword and he's killed, he won't be re- resurrected. He gave it to um, to Jax, his assistant, which we'll be coming back to in a moment. And basically, whoever's holding the sword, as long as they are of Arthur's blood, they will come back to life. Uh, let's mm-hmm. talk about, first of all, how awesome Mordred looks with his crown on. That's some it fucking yeah. future shit right there. I love it. <laughs> um, and everything seems to be going bad. And then he has this app he's been using where people basically can um, basically scream into the void. That's how he's using to, to you know control people. And Dane, of all people, was using it as he was dying to confess all this stuff. And he's like, oh, this is great. Let's listen to it. Let's see what this douchebag is saying. <laughs> so he tells a really sad story about how when he was young there was a woman he was in love with and how god damn dude this is so good like what a way to end it Cy. Um, so basically there was a woman he was in love with and uh, she got cancer and um, he was basically like um, he, he loved her he's like I, I loved her so much we're two dumb kids you know we just loved each other more uh, her folks found her a specialist in London. They had high hopes. The whole family moved over there. And, well, she asked me to come. Got down on one knee and everything. I booked this, Just the way he wrote, wrote this is perfect. I booked tickets. I got a passport. I bought a ring. I reread books on supporting people through illness. I did everything, you know. All except showing up at the airport. Fuck, man. <laughs> like, yeah. It was first year of college. And he basically says he made excuses for himself. And he's just like... Uh, he's like, we said we'd write and everything, wait for each other. She was dead inside of a year. And you're like, fuck, what a confession. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. this is the end. This is, this is, oh my God, they're writing such a great ending. Meanwhile, Jax is, is back to life and she has the sword. And Mordred's just like, you know, how, how could you be doing this? And um, I really, I love this reveal. He's just basically what you, you, are you so fucking um, chauvinistic that you didn't even think it could be tracked down to a woman? You know what I mean? Like, you kill all the men, but not the women? And it's just like, yeah. And then he's like, um, he's like, I only found out she even existed last month. I thought maybe if I gave her a job, engage academically at first, that'd soften the blow when I told her who I was. Shima died because she refused radiotherapy because she was pregnant. Yeah. She never told me and uh, who can I blame her for? Or can blame her for that? I have a daughter, Mordred. And she's gonna kick your ass. Oh, <laughs> what a fucking reveal, man! Oh my god, uh, we're gonna go back to back reveals on comics, by the way, guys. Uh, but we'll get to that one in a second. Um, <laughs> and then the cool thing, Bloodstone shows back up. Thank God, because <laughs> yeah. I was really annoyed. And they they work together to stop him, but in the end because Dane was attached to the crown technically because he was given his confession when he died he was mm-hmm. able to use that to come back to life as well in the coolest and gruesome oh, yeah, way <laughs> fucking great so he comes back he takes all the ebony artifacts and he makes a very uncomfortable looking throne with it 
<laughs> it's so fucking ugly. Yeah, so he can sit. Basically, you sit on it and you can see what's going on. You can basically see that. And he's they're basically just like, you know, the sword, you know, the sword controls people. And she's, she reveals she made a costume. And it looks sick. It's just like yeah. it is, actually. But it looks sick on her. And she's like, the Black Knight isn't a person, Dane. It's just a job. It doesn't have to be a lonely one. One of us goes out, swings the sword, saves the world. The other one sits right here, guiding. Then we swap. Nobody knows who's behind the visor. Nobody needs to. Two broken people, one hero. Fuck yeah. yes. This is such a great The Black Knights story, will return. I'm so excited. Like, I cannot wait to see what they do with this. It's so good. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's such a great drop for like a mini a, a mini series. To like, hey, this is gonna this is to set up something big for this character, and then introduce something f- for the foreseeable future. Someone who should be important from this point on. I love it. I love when Marvel does the, does stuff like this. I like that they're not afraid to be like, yeah, there could be two of those. There could be two Spider Man. There could be two Hawkeyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. All right, that takes us to Eternal Six. Ooh. Alright, written by Karen Gellin. Drawn by Asad Rubik. Colored by Matthew Wilson. Letter by Clayton Cowles. So last issue we found out the traitor uh, was Fastos, who was such a great guy. He's such a nice dude. Everybody loves him. Why, why, would, he, why would he do this? Well, you find out why. In this uh, awesome... When you texted me, you read this before yeah. I did, and you texted me, or you messaged me, and I'm like, and I was just thinking, I was like, oh, well, I mean, like, I, I get Eternals, but whatever it can't be that it can't, it can't be that good from my end since i don't i don't really get the reveals holy shit <laughs> so glad i've been reading this whole time so basically they're fighting thanos and we find out that fastos basically recreated thanos and put a fail safe in him so he can kill him at any time basically and mm-hmm. he basically has a reason for everything he's doing there's a really cool fight including cersei putting burning f- fungus all over uh thanos because she can so badass it made me think of the potential of the mushroom girl for my hero yeah right like so cool meanwhile of course they're all fighting him and sprite is still with toby keeping him safe because she promised she would and all the eternals get teleported around the world and the only one who can make it back in time is icarus and a really cool shot i love that shot of them just blasting off oh and it's talking about the arrow arrow, so so cool oh so good so he gets there (laughs) And uh, we see Droog uh, actually go after Fastos, which is great because, of course, Droog's a douchebag. He does something to One his memory. Yeah. We don't know what yet. We'll see later on. Uh, so basically, uh, they they fight. Thanos gets away, and they're like, "Okay, we need to fuck. We need to fuck you up and everything like that." And in the process, Icarus dies. But the machine's back online, so that's great. Yay! Mission accomplished. Right? Right? Okay, so. Fastos tells us, because he was the first Eternal to come back last time, he was alone with the machine and was able to dig into it more than anyone else ever has. He discovered something the cost of our immortality. Mm -hmm. And then we see Icarus come back to life. Yay, he's back. Because they're Eternal. And. He opens his eyes, and Toby Robson dies. Yeah. Basically, every time an Eternal is brought back to life, a human life has to be sacrificed to bring them back. Yeah. I love the thing Gilgamesh is like, every time I killed one of you, 
And yeah. Like, That's a good every fucking time I, point. Like, oh, God. Every time I was meant to punish you and take you out so you can learn your lesson for the next time. Uh, the protector, you know, like, oh, yeah, that was heavy as fuck. And I like when Zorus comes back. There's like a wait to when Zorus comes back because he's like, hey, I'm back. I'm alive. I'm like, what's up, guys? It's like, congratulations. Let's meet. And it's just kind of like, oh, there goes another human. Like, I was just yeah. like, oh, fuck. And now I'm going to think of that every time one of them comes back to life. It's like, oh. And basically, they're they're gonna they're they're told, hey, let's go meet with um the Unimind, which is the mind of all the Eternals together, and we'll figure out what's going mm-hmm. on, what we need to do. Well, apparently this has happened multiple times. They found out multiple times, and every time they bring it up, their mind gets erased by the okay. Unimind. So they're like, not this time, and they go rogue, and they go to the Deviants, their mortal enemies. We come mm-hmm. in peace to the changing people. We would join you. Help us be the changing people too. <laughs> oh man, what a fucking twist! Karen Gillan's a genius. I know. I mean, the whole time it's just like Aker is just watching him, like stalking the boy, just like from like up above. He like know why? It's, he just he doesn't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! What a great way to and do you it. Go back to like. Remember the the bit in the earlier issues where Icarus told the guy to wait for him and doesn't have a concept of time? Yeah. And so the guy just waited his entire life for him? Yep. It's just, it's everything into perspective. It's fucking brilliant, man. Oh my God. (laughs) It's so good. All right. So let's change it up a little bit. Let's have a little fun. Amazing (laughs) fantasy number one. Okay. Uh, So uh, everything apparently is done by Kara Andrews. Letter by Joe Sabino. Do you remember Carrie no. Andrews? Spider-Man Rain, buddy. Oh. Oh, okay. This doesn't really look like that at all, though. Honestly, no. I, I was I looked at the name and it's like, that is a name. I'm very familiar with Spider-Man Rain. But then I'm but the, oh, that book was also from like 2007. The, I mean the improvements are like they, this person's grown. Because this book looks very different. So I don't have much of a judgment on this book yet. Because there's so right. much setup. But basically what it looks like is we're getting alternate versions of some of the heroes based on changes being made in their life, basically. Um, mm-hmm. So we get one where um, Cap is on a sinking ship and allegedly drowns or gets swallowed by a creature, actually, and wakes up on a beach. Um, and he has long hair and a beard, so it's obviously been a long time at that point. Um we also get a young uh, Black Widow escaping the Red Room, running away from the Red Room. And um, we also get Spider-Man uh, and fighting and waking up with a bunch of crazy-looking monster creatures that are trying to cook him. And what we gather is, I think these are all in the same world, and they're all going to be coming together in the end. Because they started mm-hmm. transitioning on the same page, not just alternate pages and stuff like that. So, Right, right. Um and it's a lot, there's a lot going on here. So as far as like explaining what happens, we're going to have to kind of wait and see where this goes. Uh, but I really enjoyed what I saw. I really liked it. I love the designs. I love the Black Widow design, especially. I thought that art was really yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I like how like the different art transitioned throughout it, and that one was really cool. Yeah, considering it's the same I say, the time, I, it's just, they just changed mm-hmm. the art completely. I want to say, like I guess the only part that looks like Spider-Man Reign are these two panels for like the Venom reveals in Spider-Man Rain? <laughs> yeah, pretty cool though. I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. I love a good alternate universe story. So 
Yeah, not me too. All right, now we're hitting the heavy hitters. Our Ooh. last non-X-Men book is Daredevil number 32. Did you get it? Yes. Did you get it? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Oh, the, oh I didn't even see that one. Oh, buddy. Holy yeah, shit. Okay, I'm going to go out. Fuck yeah, baby. <laughs> I want to go back for that one. I love how she just like didn't really finish it. Like They're just like these broad strokes of the red. Written by Chip Zdarsky. Penciled by Mike Hawthorne. Inked by Adriano Benedito. Colored by Marcio Meniz. Uh, kind of an uneventful issue, except the end. Uh, when we where we last mm-hmm. uh, last left off on the cliffhanger, Bullseye's randomly killing people. Basically, is what we what we get, and so we get this yeah. whole like specter of Bullseye over New York. This entire issue, and Electra's trying to find him, and we find out all the other heroes are trying to find him as well. Um, I saw somebody who spoiled this book for me before it even came out. Uh, asshole. Um, by posting the parts with Kingpin and Typhoid Mary. Oh, okay. And they said, why am I shipping Kingpin and Typhoid Mary? And I'm like, okay. And then I read it, and I'm like, yeah, I totally ship it. 100% I ship it. So, yeah, no, I, I thought they were kind of getting a little close. Like, the last or, like, the previous issue, there was just been, like, yeah, there's, there's definitely sh- shipping involved now, for yeah. sure. And then we find out that Daredevil, yes, is doing the FBI informant thing, so he's going to report on the uh, on the warden. Uh, we see a bit with um, uh, Butch, uh, the, the Kingpin's son that's not the rose <laughs> and where he just takes <laughs> down hammerhead like brutally which was really great uh, yeah there's a lot going on in this uh and then we there's another shooting another bullseye shooting electra goes to stop it they have a fight which i'm always worried when electra fights bullseye because marvel tends to like bullseye yeah they're gonna make her lose yeah so and then what we find out is um basically there's multiple bullseyes there's at least three Mm-hmm. And are they clones? He, he he came out. They came out from a capsule last time we saw him. So, fuck, maybe that's horrible. If there's more than one bullseye running around, that is horrifying as fuck. Yes, that is dangerous. But yeah, really, really good. Uh, not a Chichetto art uh, issue. I know he takes issues off no. once in a while. Um, but I did. I did like how. Did how this person drew Spider-Man. Like the Spider-Man scene was really cool. I like how they're just like a little rugged. And it's like you know what, Peter Parker would skip out a, a lot of, if not every shave day. He, yeah. I think this should be like more of a regular look for him. Be too busy. <laughs> but I know they want to make him the Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, but he needs to be all clean cut. But I like how he's just like, yo, I want to know, are you gonna be killing? And just like, dude, uh, yeah. just fuck, my just business. Like you're asking me now, like you're a little, a little issues I late. Know at the time, but the- like <laughs> until the time. <laughs> Um, but then, like, the fight with Bullseye, like, again, like, the, these two back-to-back weeks on these two people just, like, blocking point-blank bullets, like Gambit last week, like, exploding the bullets and just slapping it out. Electra this time, she already had to have been swinging by the time she knew where Bullseye was going to shoot in order to block that one. Like, this one in midair, like, this one I'm talking about, like, she would have had to known when and where she was going to shoot and then think about that my arm should have already been swinging by then. Yeah. It was just like, God damn it. She's just so awesome. Yeah. She's amazing. So really stepped up into the Daredevil mantle. So uh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Dude, the cover for the next one, very Batman. Like oh, yeah, that's dope. I love it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about our X books. And we're starting with Wolverine. Okay. Uh, number 14, right? Yeah. 14. Yes. Uh, so I, I did get a... Uh, oh, no, that's not a variant. It's the normal issue. Okay. 
Um, so, oh yeah, creative team. Creative team, written by Benjamin Percy, uh, drawn by Adam Kubert, colored by Frank Martin, and lettered by Cory Petit. Um, so Wolverine's doing the investigation of who stole the Marauder, who stole the Shi'ar uh, gems and everything like that from the Gala. Mm-hmm. And he runs into a basically discovers it's a group of Eriko mutants that are pirates that really just don't have any morals whatsoever and do whatever the fuck they want. And he fights one and they gain mutual respect. It's great. And that, the anti-marauders book. Yeah. <laughs> so that could be it. That could just be the story. But then we get the reveal of who's really behind this and Solemn is back from yes. Ten of Swords. And I'm really happy because he should be a reoccurring Marvel uh, or Wolverine villain. Like like cyber, yeah. cyber and like um Oh, I definitely liked him from yeah. the get-go too. He should be one of those ones that pops up like Omega Red, Lady Death Strike, that he should be in that canon, you know what I mean? So just kind of, when you least expect it, it's like, oh my god, then this guy's just gonna fuck up the whole plan. Like when you least expect it, it's just it's yeah, I get yeah. you. So pretty cool. I re- also okay. uh, shout out just a shout out that we what we discovered from the X Men Comic Con. Benjamin Percy has the coolest fucking voice. Voice in existence. The deepest voice. So I was, it's so I was good. Watching panels because I was doing uh, live reporting. I was watching it in two times speed, and so it was like, oh my da-da-da. god! And he's like, bruh, 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 bruh. I'm like, so who's like, that one? Two times speed. It was like it sounded like a normal voice, and then I'm like, no, it's two times. And then I put it back on one and went back, and it's just the deepest voice you've ever heard. And I'm like, oh my god! It's so calming. It's not even like it's, it's like it's, hot it, it is kind of intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hot chocolate. It's delicious. Like I love it. It's so great. I love it. Good. That panel was so much fun, just because of everybody on it. Like everybody involved. Yes. Like the voices that needed to be involved to just speak out on like the house right now. Like Jonathan Hickman could have just like ran with it, and then just being super cryptic about like future bullshit. Yep. But it was just the writer should really speak out right now. There having yes vita just amazing like and it's just lee is the best i love her so uncle dugan <laughs> of course which leads us to great transition this way cable number 12. <laughs> cool written by gary dugan drawn by phil noto letter by joe sabino damn cable you're relieved of your duty <sighs> cable so young cable <laughs> petitions to bring old cable back to help stop strife and in the process gives basically gives up his spot because we can't Mm -hmm. have clones and also young cable has to become old cable eventually now yeah yeah (laughs) the future and so they take down strife long story short we're not gonna get into the blow by blow because that really doesn't matter as much so much as in the end oh except for the fact that um strife (laughs) they both pull a gun on strife and he's just like Hey, I request amnesty. Crows for all mutants, right? <laughs> and like, I don't know. Did you hear what he said? It's like, I think he said, make it quick. <laughs> just, just <laughs> so good. Love that shit. Um, and then, yeah, Kid Cable uh, is, is saying goodbye, says goodbye to Hope, says goodbye to everybody, says goodbye to Cyclops, which was actually genuinely sad and stuff. I was like, oh. Yeah. And then. Cable gives him a new type of arm, and he's like, hey, can I ask you one more question? Cable's like, no. <laughs> he's basically like, you want to know if Krakoa works? You don't want to know if she, if she ever wants to see you again? You know, all that stuff. He's like, if you want it to happen, fight for it, basically. But then we do yeah. get to cut to the future where old Cable is with her. Yeah. And I was like, ah. <laughs> So, that is cute. Um, 
but yeah, uh, and then we get the uh, we get basically that adult cable is going to be working with sword is what I've gathered from this. Um, yeah, the body size of the sword compound, and kid cable goes forward to fight strife in the future, and so we're, yeah, we might get him back one day. I don't know. We'll see. And then uh, yeah, at this point they can totally just Doctor Who it and just like yeah, I'm just going to touch back really quick, yeah. if not a little older. Yeah. And then all the kidnapped mutant babies are reunited, and they all have twins because, you know, there were ten babies in five families. <laughs> so, then the last thing we see is a baby with one glowing eye, just like all of them. Bum, bum, bum. So Strife put himself into a baby, probably yeah. knowing him. <laughs> so. I mean, the whole thing was were, were rituals, so it's like, uh, I want to, I will probably, because like, to not be done with that character. He cloned himself many, yeah, many this book, times in the storyline. So Yeah. Why not this fail safe? This book was great. Like, so it made me think of like, yeah, obviously like it's in a circle. Like we know that cable is kid cable, kid cable is cable. But I love how this one it's more like like an infinity sign yeah, type of a yeah. loop. So like the so in this so at this point, the cable that we meet that we met in the in the nineties when it first appeared. So that was Kid Cable grown up. Only we've been in love with our repre- our perception of an old man Cable, and now he's going back so he can be the Cable that we met first. But he really is Kid Cable. Oh my! It's just it's such a great little like to like circle of uh, time travel. Yeah, it's crazy. So, <laughs> all right, that brings us to our last book. Yes, Sword Number Seven, and Josue's first dip into the Last Annihilation. Mm-hmm. All right. God, I just I love X Men creativity right now. We're going to talk about why in a moment, but oh, so good. <laughs> Written by Al Ewing, drawn by Stefano Caselli, colored by Proto Bunker. Oh, that's a new one for me. Proto Bunker's first Sefuente Sujo, and letter by Ariana Mayer. So I was so glad. The, I was so glad the way you talked about Guardians last week because I felt like I could actually easily easily follow this yeah. book because it just jumps from like. Sword six to sword seven. There's no chance. It's just like a completely different book, and I felt like I knew what was going on based on like everything you had described. So yeah, thanks for that. So we open up with Hulk Lane letting Captain Glory out of his cage and being like, "I need your help." Glory being like, "Of course you do." So um, they're fighting mindless ones, which is cool. Um, Captain Glory wipes out one of the gigantic giant ones. It's so cool, dope. Uh, but it's, <laughs> mindless ones are basically there's a billion of them, so you can just send them forever. We'll talk about what's happening on Erico afterwards. We'll come back to that. So, <laughs> um, so Captain Glory is like, I can just keep taking them out. And um, they there's actually two mindless ones that surround him. And a really epic thing, they blast him from both sides with their eye lasers and kill each other just to stop yes. him. Yes. Yes. It was brutal. And he's, like, and he's doing his little like, admiral dedication as he's dying and shit. And they're calling for help. and. They're like, we need help. We need help. You know, who who can help us? And they're like, let's call Earth. You know, they're they want to step up, and so they call Alpha Flight, and they don't get a response. And they're like, so they <sighs> sons of bitches, get the Avengers or anything like that. And they're like, okay, sons of bitches and too. They said, <laughs> maybe it's time to call somebody else. And that's when they call Sword, and Abigail Brand replies, has her team, and is like, we're going. And I believe Storm goes w- with them, which we'll talk about Storm in a moment. Actually, let's switch over to that part right now. Storm yeah. and Doom have, Doom have dinner and are polite until they're not. That's pretty much the whole story. 
Doom is trying to be like, well, you know, and she's like, I'm not, I'm not putting up with your shit, basically. Like, I like that he makes a point of like, now she's a queen instead of the wife of a king, which I thought was yes. a really cool line. Like, uh, so good. But you know, he's just jabbing to see what's going to poke. But basically, he's saying, like, you guys are fi- playing with fire, and she's like, fuck off, basically. And then we get the the sword group appears, and this is what we saw at the end of Empire. Yes. Where Hulkling was down, all these people were down and hurt, and Sword shows up, and she said, you know, you really should have, I warned you back to your wedding party, your highness, Alpha Flight doesn't work. That's why I built something better. Let's go. And so they're saving him. Uh, Manifold's teleporting him out. They're doing a really great job. And they're like, you know, um, basically like, and it, it seems like Manifold is like, yeah, uh, you can't trust Henry Gyrick. Call the Avengers Direct next time. And then in one of the coolest ways they've done this, they have an info page right before the last page. I'm assuming you read the info page. Oh, hell yeah, of course. Basically, Abigail saw what was coming, knew the attack was going to happen. She was like, something like this is going to happen. And they're going to reach out to Alpha Flight and to Gyric and to the Avengers. And she's like, I just couldn't have that. Mm -hmm. We need more allies, basically. So she interrupted the distress signal so that Alpha Flight never got it. So then they had to reach out to S.W.O.R.D. Yep. Which is, which is devious, by the way. <laughs> so, and that's, that's the thing. Like, I just, just when Abigail was turning around for me, because she, she was always just like at arm's length. Is like, I get that you mean well, but she's always been for like the greater good, the greater good type of person. Uh, so you know what? Good still. Yeah, no, it is. But you know what? In this case, like. Beast and Abigail deserve each other for for forever and all and all dark eternity. Like they're both just terrible fucking people. <laughs> um, and oh, they also cover up the fact that Scarlet Witch is dead. They don't they don't tell Hulkling. Yes, and that's crazy because Tommy is like freaking the fuck out. It's probably just phoning Billy right now. So, and then yeah, we get the last thing of the info page is eventually the goal is and everything is redacted except Storm. Yes. What eventually the goal is storm like what? And then I love I love that you're not gonna run the they're doing that where she's she's talking shit on Gyrek and she's like wouldn't surprise me it's always the same in the crisis and then we get the info page and then her last line is people show you who really they really are and I'm like yeah storytelling brilliance I don't care what anyone says X Men are incredible right now (sighs) oh absolutely but yeah no if she's going after. The region of soul title, like bro, Abigail, just, just cut it. Just oh, cut no, it. I off. think they're trying just to stop. Storm. I think they're gonna try to make Storm more. Like that, their whole thing is a further Storm, is what I think. Okay. So. All right, that's everything I got. Any question? Anything else you got, man? Anything else you want to bring up with? Uh, just, uh last congratulations to James Tiny and the Fourth for winning uh, best writer. Yes, definitely on the Eisners. And congratulations to um to everybody that was put in the the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, but oh, yeah. I want to give a special uh, congratulations to Dave Cockrum, who doesn't mm. get enough credit. He, you know, that epic Chris Claremont era of X Men. He's the one that drew it. Oh fuck yeah! Okay, so, you know, like that's Dave Cockrum. He did the giant size X Men. That's Dave Cockrum, and he does not oh, get the nice. credit he deserves. And now he does. He's in the Hall of Fame, and also, to, <laughs> of course, 
one of my favorite people on the planet, Neil Gaiman. Congratulations. Oh, absolutely. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us on We Have Issues. Uh, As far as finding out about us, on Twitter, you can find us at We Have or WHI Podcast. You can find me at WHI Podcast Keith. Our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. And Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway. Um, You can also check us out on our other show, Jukebox Vertigo, where we put together playlists based on a bi-weekly category, joined with friends, and it's a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, You can find that at Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter. Uh, You can also find both of these shows at Geek Elite Media as well as at geekelitemedia.com. And, of course, uh, check out our third show, the one we do on the side with our friend Crozen, at Crozen underscore underscore. And it's called Podcast Ultra. You can find it on Twitter at Ultra underscore podcast. That one is about video games and what we've been playing. Uh, that usually comes out on a Sunday. So you have a nice release uh, release schedule for us. Uh, this show comes out on a Saturday. Podcast Ultra every other Sunday. And Jukebox Vertigo every other Monday. So right all in a row. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. We truly appreciate it. And don't forget to always geek out. <laughs>